0: Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
2: Hey everybody, tonight we're debating whether or not the Bible promotes slavery and we're starting right now. With Matt's opening statement, thanks for being with us, Matt. The floor is all yours.
1: Thanks, thanks so much for having me. Thanks to William for suggesting this. Uh, Does the Bible promote slavery? Yes. And frankly, it's strange to be having this debate again, because from my perspective, there's nothing to debate, but clearly people disagree. On some occasions, the apologists I've talked to about slavery will try to massage the word slave and talk about servants or indentured servants or soften the biblical practice or claim that it already existed or needed to be regulated or was the best thing for slaves. Uh, And therefore, it couldn't just be prohibited. But Eating shrimp, unruly children, and wearing mixed fabrics already existed too, but it didn't stop Yahweh supposedly from clearly forbidding them and prescribing a death penalty for them. On other occasions, they'll try to go after the second word in this issue here, that's promote. So let's start there. What's it mean to promote something? Well, in the sense that I use the term promote in this case, it's to further the progress of or allow or encourage, sanction, support, to back, endorse, advocate. And so you could flatly say slavery is bad, and that would be clearly discouraging of slavery. You could fail to mention the topic at all. Like, I don't think Harry Potter book mentioned slavery, uh, so it's neither discouraging or encouraging it. Or you could flatly say that slavery is good, and that would clearly be promotion. But you could also state that some slavery is good or some slavery is bad, which implicitly promotes some slavery, and promoting some slavery is all that needs to happen in order to say that we're promoting slavery. You could also offer regulations that specifically define and allow the practice within certain limits. This also promotes slavery and furthers it, because not only does it not discourage it, it doesn't remain silent, it expressly allows it and codifies it into law. That is, it is a permissible act. If this entire debate is about whether promote simply means let's take out an advertisement to encourage it, then we've all had our time wasted. For example, if racism exists in a society, and it definitely does, does having a whites-only sign promote racism? Yes, it does. It doesn't expressly say racism is good or we want more racism, but that sign promotes the practice and the perspective of racism. The same is true of a law that says you're free to discriminate against people based on race and you can freely punch someone of a different race without penalty, but you would be criminally guilty if you killed them. That law promotes racism. So the second issue then is what's slavery? Well, I went to the Encyclopedia Britannica, because you know that's a good place to start. And in Encyclopedia Britannica, they listed as a condition in which one human being is owned by another. Slavery was considered by law as property, or slaves were considered property, or chattel. And were deprived of most of the rights ordinarily held by free persons. There was just based slavery, which is for POWs and debtors, et cetera, and then race-based slavery, which came around uh, around the 14th century onwards when it gained popularity. But the basics of race-based slavery already existed in nationalism, in rules against enslaving fellows, because most ancient civilizations that permitted slavery codified slavery and specifically had prohibitions against enslaving your fellow person, or they were under different rules. So in ancient times, how did we generate slaves? Well, we captured them in war. We kidnapped them. Some slaves were born into it. Some slaves were sold into it to satisfy debts. Some people sold themselves into it to satisfy debts. It wasn't merely indentured servants, uh, although that is also immoral, and I would argue a very subtle, slightly different form of slavery, where it's just legislated slightly less Hebrew slaves, if you, if you read up on slave law, even in Encyclopedia Britannica, Hebrew slaves were to be manumitted after six years. So the Encyclopedia Britannica agrees with me that the Bible supports slavery. It just has a special set of rules for Hebrew slaves, so they have to be let go after six years. But that only applies to Jewish slaves, not Gentiles, uh, not women. And Christian slave societies generally ignored that requirement because they're not Jewish. Most groups had prohibitions against enslaving their fellow believers or their fellow in-group. Many prohibited killing slaves and excessive cruelty. Even U.S. slavery had 10 different codes which forced the sale or emancipation of slaves that were maltreated. But even with those laws in place, that didn't prevent people from mistreating slaves. That mistreatment goes on because slaves don't have the same rights and opportunities to protest those sorts of things. So we've talked about what promote means. we talked about what slavery means. What does the Bible have to say? Well, starting in Genesis, Noah curses one of his sons and all of his descendants to be slaves of his brother. God blesses Abraham with lots of slaves. Hagar, the slave, tries to run from Abraham's abusive wife. And God sends an angel to force her to go back to them and be submissive to the abusive situation she's in. In Joshua, God curses the Gibeonites to be slaves forever. Exodus 12.44 talks about how you must circumcise your purchased slaves, and then they can eat a Passover meal. (coughs) Deuteronomy 20 talks about acquiring slaves in wartime. And the interesting here is this word that's used about slaves requiring wartime um, is the same word that's used throughout. Depending on which Bible you're looking at, it might be translated into English as servant or sometimes slaves. But for example, in Deuteronomy 5.15, Remember when thou wast a servant, that's Hebrew 5650 or ebed, which is the exact same word for servant, bondmaid, slave. It's used to refer to the Israelites when they were slaves, and it's used to refer to their practice of keeping slaves. That same word is used in Exodus and Leviticus to describe slaves. They are expressly listed as property. They are money. They are passed on to your descendants. They're not equal. They don't have the same rights. If you look into this, Deuteronomy. Five uh, talks about how you're not supposed to covet your neighbor's wife uh, or his field or his manservant or his maidservant, his ox or his ass or anything that is your neighbor's. All those things are property. And yes, that includes women too, although they're in a slightly different class. Women just weren't considered equal. I did a separate video on that a couple years ago. Uh, and in addition to that thing about coveting in Deuteronomy, it also exists there in Exodus 20 as well. In Exodus 21, you get the actual law for how to deal with Hebrew servants. Beginning at the beginning, if you buy a Hebrew servant, six years will he serve, and in the seventh, he'll go free. And if he came in by himself, he'll go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. But if he came in alone, and you give him a wife, you get to keep the wife. Because that wife isn't his, not even, has no say in it. And if he says, hey, I love my master, and I want to stay here, love my wife and children, I want to stay here, then you shall take him uh, to the judges, pierce his ear, and he shall be your slave forever. That's a way to trick even a Hebrew slave into being a permanent slave. Similarly, there are different rules for selling your daughter into slavery. And then when we get further into Exodus 21, when it talks about rights, um, if you hit your servant or your maid with a stick and he dies, then you'll be punished. doesn't say killed, though. It just says you'll be punished. But if the servant lives for a day or two, then you will not be punished at all because the servant is your money. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth doesn't apply because slaves aren't free. They are property. They aren't free to have the same rights as others. Similarly, in Leviticus 25, it specifically says, Both thy bondmen and thy bondmaids, which thou shalt have, shall be of the heathen that are around you. Of them shall ye buy bondmen and bondmaids. Moreover, of the children of strangers that do sojourn with you, of them ye shall buy, and of their families that are with you which they begat in your land, and they shall be your possession, and you shall take them as an inheritance for your children after you to inherit them for a possession. They shall be your bondmen forever. Leviticus 19 has special rules, 19 verse 20, talks about whoever lays with carnally, with a woman that is a bondmaid, a slave, who is betrothed, uh, instead of being punished, she'll be punished because she's not free. She's the property. She did wrong. So it doesn't say anything about, you know, who was consenting or anything else. It's just, boom, she's not free. That's what it says. She shall be scourged. They shall not be put to death because she was not free. But what about the New Testament? Surely, since, you know, we're talking about the Christian Bible and Christianity, surely the New Testament comes along and fixes all this except it doesn't. Ephesians 6.5 says servants be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Colossians 3.22 servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh not with eye service as men pleases but in singleness of heart fearing God. 1 Timothy 6 let as many servants of you who are under yoke count their own masters worthy of honor that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not be despised because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved. Titus 2, verse 9, exhort servants to be obedient under their masters and please them in all things. 1 Peter 2, servants be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle masters, but also to the cruel. This is what the New Testament has to say. Now, I'm not an expert. I don't speak Hebrew. I don't speak Greek. I do use utilities to study these things. And so we know that the most common word for servant and slave in the Old Testament is ebed, which is 5650. There's also Nar, which is 5288, which is for young boy or girl servant. And then in the New Testament, you've got a couple of different Greek words, doulos. It was just 1401, which is slave, and therapon, which is 2324, which is attendant. To be clear, the Bible consistently talks about buying people. Those people become your property right alongside your oxen. It allows you to beat those people as long as they don't die within a day or two. They are your property. They do not have the same rights as free people. And it never comes out and condemns slavery. Jesus could have done it. He didn't. Jesus instructs slaves to obey their masters in Matthew 10, 24. Paul could have done it. He didn't. Paul asked for a single slave to be freed. And let's not pretend that this was the beginning of an underground railroad. At no point is there a clear statement that owning another person as property is immoral. There's not even really a hint of that. In fact, the Bible suggests the opposite, that you can buy people and you can own them. The same book that won't let you eat shellfish or mixed fabrics, the same book that has a death penalty for unruly children, Who won't listen, you're supposed to take them to the town elders and say that he's a drunkard, and then everybody in the town gets together and stone him. The same book that advocates the death penalty for all sorts of things, including picking up sticks on the Sabbath, suggests that it's fine to own people as property. But if you're gonna own another Jew, you gotta let him go after six years, unless you trick them. And then, oh, I forgot, everybody gets to go free in the year of Jubilee, that's every 50 years. And when you compare that to the lifespan, man, slavery is awesome. Let me buy you and then let you go in 43 years. It's ridiculous to suggest that the Bible does not promote slavery.
2: Thank you very much for that opening statement, Matt. And we're going to kick it over to Converse contender a.k.a. William, and want to let you know if it's your first time here at Modern Day Debate, folks, we are a neutral platform hosting debates on science, religion, and politics, and we hope you feel welcome no matter what walk of life you are from. Christian, atheist, you name it, we're thrilled to have you with us. And with that, Converse, the floor is all yours.
3: All right, thanks. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yes. Perfect. Uh, I want to share my screen, if that's okay.
0: Um Okay, uh, let's see. It hasn't kicked in
3: through uh, yet. okay. All right, let's try it again. Okay, can you see that? Yes. Okay. Um, hopefully, everybody will be able to see without the uh, um, the videos on the side there. All right. So, uh, thanks, Modern Day Debate, and thanks, James, for for you know for hosting this. Thanks to Matt for uh, agreeing to have this discussion. So, <clears throat> I also want to thank Matt for taking the affirmative tonight because. You know The affirmative position, it just been in my experience. This isn't all, of course, but a lot of times, atheists don't like to take the uh, the affirmative position. Like I say, that's not all, of course. That's just been in my experience. So thanks, Matt, for doing that and uh agreeing to this. All right. <clears throat> Does the Bible promote slavery? That's our proposition. I was in a super big hurry today, so I barely got this put together, but... <clears throat> All right, does the Bible promote slavery? No, obviously you can see the answer there. Since Matt took the affirmative tonight though, according to online debate logic, I can just say I'm not convinced and use defensive rhetoric to win. So am I convinced? No. Uh, I'm sorry about that. I might have to turn off my settings here for my uh, notifications. No, I'm not convinced. So with that, Matt, just try harder to prove your claim, and uh, I'll let you know once you've met your burden. Thanks. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, I'm not going to follow that tradition. Instead, tonight, I'll be given a positive argumentation against the proposition. I will approach the topic by giving a case from the uh, historical context, also from the biblical text. I will be building on what is call, what I call, anyway, the solid foods argument. So um, I'm missing a slide on here, so I will go ahead and lay it out here in just a sec. The solid foods argument is comes from a principle in Scripture that says um, you give people milk until they're able to have solid foods, like a child, right? We get it in Hebrews chapter 5. We get it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 2, and Isaiah 28, 9. So... Put, uh, First Peter chapter 2, so put away all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, by that you may grow up into salvation. All right. So as Jesus argues in Matthew chapter 9, he gives a, a principle of scripture that um, there were some laws given because of the hardness of your heart. Christine Hayes, um, Dr. John Walton, many others have pointed out that the biblical um that the Bible's um, laws were not given as a principle for all time to be accepted. But before I'm going to give um, an argument, though, here. So um, I wanted to say, like, I put this together pretty quick, you know, so um, I've been having a lot going on. i got a newborn baby and a 10-year-old and a lot of stuff. So um, my spelling and stuff might be off. Don't judge me. Um, so first I want to uh, give the devil their due right? or give credit where it's due. Um, I think that it's a bad apologetic strategy for people to say that <clears throat> the Old Testament ethics are fine flaw uh, for even today. Um, I'll come back to this, but briefly, Christ, Paul, the early church, and most people who've studied applied ethics for any amount of time disagree with you. Atheists um, stopped trying to convince Christian that this is the way they should believe if they accept the Bible. Um, they didn't have a standard to judge from, or they don't have a standard to judge from. That I think it's a bad argument as well. The atheists don't have an ethical foundation to stand on, so they're just telling us uh, their subjective opinions. While that may be the case, it's irrelevant to the proposition before us, whether that's true or not. Here's Dr. Josh I talked to the other night. I just wanted to ask him his his, uh, uh, his thoughts on the topic. Does the Bible promote slavery? You, you, you said, well, yeah, well, yeah that um, – I, I wouldn't – take that debate because I don't think the Bible promotes slavery. That's why I use the word endorse because uh, the Bible doesn't, uh, on my view, it doesn't seem like the Bible actually promotes it as something.
1: That sense of promotion. I just, I don't think what it's, in other words, I don't think it's in the same class as love your neighbor. At least right. I think it's actively yeah. saying you should do this.
3: Right. the Bible's saying you should love your neighbors, yes. but you don't think that like, slavery laws and stuff is like saying like you, you know, promoting that. And so- right.
1: Yeah. Like, in other words, if somebody went through their life and they didn't love their neighbor, I think God would have something to say about that. If somebody went through their life and didn't own a slave, I don't think God would have anything to say about that.
3: All right. Um So as I've, some of my screens cut off here, so I can't really read the rest of this quote, but I'll, um I think I have it pulled up here. So let's see. <clears throat> Okay, so before you non-believers are rolling your eyes, you know, let me just say, like, I give you guys some credit. Um, Dr. Josh, i have got uh, multiple of his books. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested in the topic. So, <clears throat> so let's talk about uh, biblical t- context. In the Bible, um, God had a family prior to creation, and in, in uh, Dr. Michael Heiser points this out. In Job 38, 4-7, through it says, Where were you when I was created, uh, when I was laying the foundations of the earth? Verse 7, When the morning star's... We're singing together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. The Bible teaches that God created people to be in communion with God out of the perfect generosity God shares existence with creation. In his book, The Unseen Realm, Dr. Michael Heiser lays out for us the biblical teaching God's interaction before the creation of the material realm. He says, most discussions on uh, what's around before the creation omit the members of the heavenly host. That's unfortunate because God and God's sons and the divine family are the first pieces to the mosaic uh, puzzle. He goes on to talk about the hierarchy of sons of God, B'nai Ha'elahim, which are like a higher responsibility and jurisdiction level, uh, while angels more like a messenger. Um, I asked him about this when he was on the show. He talks about how Pharaoh, uh, he talks about God's household and how Pharaoh is comprised of two words that mean uh, great household. And we'll come back to that. Um, but and it's the same way in Pharaoh's household, right? There's the menial uh, tasks and there's the important responsibilities, and even his chief cupbearer and his chief, uh, his head bake, uh, his head chef is called uh, Eved servants, right? We'll come back to the households. But God created a family, and um, had a, humans were created to be slaves to the God in the ancient Near uh, East myths. Here's uh, Christina Hayes a human with the express purpose of freeing the gods from menial
0: labor. Blood I will mass and cause bones to be. I will establish establish a savage man shall be his name. Verily, savage man I will create. He shall be charged with the service of the gods that they might be at ease. So the grateful gods now uh, um, recognize the sovereignty of Marduk and they build him a magnificent shrine or temple in Babylon, pronounced Bab-El, which simply means gateway of the god. The gate of the god. Babylon means the city that is the gateway um, of the god. The position and the function of the humans in the scheme of creation corresponds or parallels precisely the position of slaves in Mesopotamian society. The position and function of Marduk at the top of the hierarchy
3: All right, I'm going to have to skip because I don't have a lot of time. Here is the biblical uh, creation.
0: Now, let's see a different picture emerging. The biblical God in this story, which I hope you have read, um, is presented as being supreme and unlimited. Uh, That's connected with the lack of mythology in Genesis 1, or rather the suppression of mythology. Biblical creation account is non-mythological because there is no biography of God in here. God simply is. There's no theogony, no account of his birth. Um, There's no story by means of which he emerges from some other realm. So the biblical God's powers and knowledge do not appear to be limited by the prior existence of any other substance. Consider now the portrait of humans, humankind, that emerges from uh, the biblical creation story in contrast to in age. In Genesis, humans are important. Genesis 1, humans are important. In fact, the biblical view of humans really emerges from both of the creation stories that they're they're read together, the story here in Genesis 1, and then the creation story that occupies much of of 2 and 3. The creation of the human is clearly the climactic divine act. Um, After this, God can rest. And a sign of the human's importance is the fact that humans are said to be created in the image of God. This occurs in Genesis 1, verse 26. Let's make man in our image.
3: All right, I'm going to have to skip through because I won't have, uh, but she says that uh, the roles are reversed. It's It's a polemic against these guys. So, in the biblical context, uh, John Walton talks about God ordering the universe uh, for uh, ordering the universe from chaos, and then uh, pe- people are created in God's image. But he uses his um his divine uh, counsel, his divine uh, family, as Dr. Heiser calls it, to um, he says, let's let us make man in our image and in our likeness, Genesis chapter one, verse twenty six. but then in uh, verse twenty seven he says, so God created the man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. He uses the singular he. All right, skipping through. Deuteronomy chapter 32, this is uh, what uh, Dr. Heiser calls the Romans 1 event of the Old Testament because God gave over the nations. When the Most High gave the, to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. And then Deuteronomy uh, chapter, I mean, verse nine, but the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted inheritance. You'll see this portion in heritage, allotted heritage language come up later. Deuteronomy four says, and beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun and the moon and stars and the host of heaven, you'll be drawn away and bow down to them. And certain these things that the Lord your God allotted to the other people under the whole heaven. So God allotted the other people's. These lesser beings, when they rejected him, he gave them over to these beings they chased at Babel. This The story of Deuteronomy 32 is talking about at Babel. He says, but the Lord has taken you, brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt to be a people of his own inheritance as you are to this day. So he brings up the inheritance language again. Now, if you're, if you're an internet atheist or just somebody that doesn't enjoy Bible study or theology, you might say, oh, wait, this sounds like bloviation. How is this relevant, Right. So Paul on slavery. Um, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter seven verse eighteen says, "Anyone at any time of his call already was anyone at any time of his call already circumcised. Let him seek not to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him seek not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God." Each one should remain in their condition where he is called, but if you are a bond servant when you are called, do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. In Galatians 2.3 says, but even Titus, uh, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek, yet because the false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so they might bring us into slavery to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Galatians 2.15, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus and justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Now, 3.23, for faith came, uh, we were held captive under the law. Uh, Paul uses this captive and slavery language about the law all the time. So then the law was our guardian. And the word for guardian there is actually a um, person that was a slave in the Greek, uh, in the Roman Empire, that would take children to school and like have to babysit them all day and do things like this. Um, he says, but we might be just by faith, but now the faith has come. We are no longer under a guardian for Christ Jesus. Uh, you are all sons of God through faith, but as many as you were baptized in Christ, put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, you are Abraham's offsprings and heir. Keep in mind this uh, inheritance and in heir language. It'll come up. Relation for one, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from the slave, that he is everything, but he is under guardians. There's a term again for the slave and managers sit and date by his father in the I, time, same way. We also, when we one, were. One more minute. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, I can speed it up, but. You are um, under the law. Basically, he says that um, you're slaves under the law. You, it cannot fail you. Paul says, do you accept circumcision? And Christ will be no advantage to you. I testify against you, men accept a man who accepts circumcision. You're obligated to keep the whole law. You're severed from Christ. And you've fallen away from grace. For you are called freedom brothers, but not your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but to serve one another. Uh, love your neighbors yourself is uh, to wrap up the whole law. So I didn't get a, nearly as much as I wanted to um, into that, but uh, yeah, hopefully that'll get us started.
2: You got it. Well, thank you very much for that opening statement as well. And want to let you know, folks, we are very excited for this epic upcoming debate at the bottom right of your screen globe versus so-called globe skepticism you don't want to miss it next weekend we are by the way in addition to a real-life ghost hunter coming on this month for another debate so hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and with that we're going to kick it into open discussion thank you very much gentlemen the floor is all yours
3: okay so um i didn't know if you wanted to start first or if you wanted me to respond because i didn't, um... For people, that was my opening, so I wasn't trying to rebut Matt's points, but yeah, I don't know if you wanted to start us off or if you wanted me to get it started.
1: I'm kind of good either way, but it's like when I listened to the opening and I took notes, uh, what I find funny is that I referenced a whole bunch of verses that specifically talk about slavery, servants, the law related to slavery and servants, and you, every single verse that you did, uh, doesn't do any of that. Deuteronomy thirty-two, no, no mention of slavery. Same with four nineteen. Even in Galatians three twenty-four through through twenty-nine, where you're talking about the the servant that uh, carries into school, that's uh, the the Greek word pedagogos, which has nothing to do with slavery. It may be a servant, a household servant, but it it is not tied to any of the Greek words about slavery. But even if it did, nothing in any of those verses says anything about getting rid of slavery, and so. If the, if the point is, um, as you claim, the Bible reverses human the, the narrative of humans created for slaves, which simply isn't true because Ephesians 6, 6, 1 Peter 2, 16, all of these specifically say that you are to be slaves to Christ, that you are servants to God. Others in the sense that uh, man is uh, head of the household as Christ is the head of this, uh, as head of the church, that doesn't say slavery, but there are countless slaves to Christ. But it doesn't matter if the initial narrative is different than that for Marduk. What is undeniably true true is that the Old Testament clearly legalizes, sanctions, endorses, and promotes, unless you want to use some very, if you're going to try to win by saying, well, it doesn't promote because it endorses, but it doesn't promote, then this is just a waste of time. Because the point is, the Bible allows for slavery and codifies exactly how they should be slave. What verse did you present that that reverses that position
3: yeah so thanks for for clarifying hold on one second so just...
2: i do have to ask you if you're able to turn up your mic it, it seems to have gone down just a bit since we tested it maybe even if you just speak up a little yeah, bit sorry. louder or closer to the mic yeah sorry about that no problem are you able to hear me that's better definitely
3: okay sorry about that yeah so um with this opening you know i've just i've had so much going on and i apologize for you because i should have been more professional more prepared but um i would just say that um I didn't get all of what I wanted to get in there, of course, but what I what I'm pointing out is the meta-narrative of the Bible because it's easy. I uh, believe it was D.A. Carson that said, um, you know, a text that um what was it? Uh, that a text that without a context is a proof text, is a pretext for a proof text, right? And so I'm looking at the meta-narratives. I'm like, they're already polemicking the um, humans aren't slaves. They're important from the beginning. And then I'm moving through. So Deuteronomy chapter 32, when people uh, basically give up on God and he gives them over, I'm pointing out that he allotted them to the other nations. And that, um, so then anyway, moving through, all I want to say is that um, there's this notion of households and uh, the ancient Near East. And so um, there's an our article written by Laura Culbertson talked to Dr. Josh about this other night, where it talks about, like, looking at slavery, um, there is no general definition for slavery in the ancient Near East. So looking at slavery in the ancient Near East is going to be, um, you have to look at it through a, a, a lens, right? They're looking at it in this article through the lens of households, because in a household, even one of the top people, um, the pharaoh, can be a servant, right? Um, Joseph was said to be as part of the house of pharaoh when he was a second, and he was the vizier of Egypt. And so um, I'm not arguing that, you know, there's not uh, any type of slave, uh, slavery or servitude in the, in the Bible. All I'm arguing is that, um, as Christ said, it wasn't that way from the beginning. So basically in the same way that um, when a drug addict gets, um, let's say, far off on heroin, right, um, even if I think sl- uh, like get, doing drugs is completely immoral, I may allow for him to do methadone or her to uh, for to make an improvement because that is an improvement in their condition towards the goal, right? And so, I mean, maybe you want to start there, and then I'll so, respond to some of your points, yeah.
1: Yeah, that sounds like the solid food argument, which, oh, yeah, that's quite true. frankly, I countered that in my opening along with your attempt to define promote rather narrowly. The solid food argument is this notion that, for some reason, slavery already existed – and rather than just saying, thou shalt not own another human being as property, God decided to ease into the abolition of slavery by legislating it, by saying, oh, let's make slavery not quite as bad as it could be. And then as, the, as these humans come around, they'll eventually get around to giving it up. Well, the first thing is, there's not a single indication or inclination anywhere in the Bible that the goal is to get rid of slavery. But also, if God can tell me not to eat shrimp not to have sex with someone of the same gender, not to pick up sticks on the Sabbath, not to wear fabrics of mixed cloth, then God can tell me not to own another Mm -hmm. human being as property. It is Mm -hmm. asininely ridiculous to assert that God is so weak and feeble that he cannot tell people not to own people as property and instead must do the opposite to say, okay, go ahead and own people's property and you can beat them as long as they don't die within a couple of days. That is just ridiculous to me.
3: Yeah, so there's a a, a few points there, right? Like one is like, well, he can tell me to to not eat shrimp, right? But um, but he can't tell me to, um, you you know, uh, to outlaw um, servanthood or whatever. So here's the deal. Um, If you look at – this is an institution, right, like capitalism, okay? There are plenty of communists online that's going to tell you, look, you're a slave if you work a job. And if you contribute to it, it's immoral. But there are a lot of other ones that say, "Hey, look, no, that's not true. You need to work. You need to work a job, right? Because you want to let them have all the power until we can get to the place where we can reform this entire institution. Because this is an economy, as uh, Dr. John Walton pointed out. And as far as the um, God is weak thing, it's like, well, if He's gonna, you know, allow these free people to, to it, it has nothing to do with God's power because uh, with their freedom, right? Um, God is shaping them. Um, even secular scholar uh, Christine Hayes talks about this in her lectures. That the laws—she talks about not only Paul, but the um, the laws themselves and the the earliest tra- uh, people, except for Philo, that were um, commenting on the Old Testament—were saying that well, these laws weren't given as like the the one time, you know, uh, all all for one time, because there are many times like uh, when humans are given you know, the plants to eat, and then after the fall, um, they're they're given meat, they're allowed to eat meat, and then same thing with the king, like God, you know, they didn't need a king, but then he allowed for the king, because God is working with this barbaric group of people to shape them over time, but, and then the last thing you mentioned was slaves, Um, you said it twice now that slaves could be beaten as long as they didn't die after a day or two, and I just gotta say, like, even in I, t- I talked to Josh about this the other night, and I said, yeah, "You think that that's, you know, not what's being, you know, pointed out here, right?" And he even writes in his book about this, where he says that, um, which I got right here. He says, um, "This is too extreme a position." In the book, he says that the thing about the day or two is, if a day or two, or a few days later, or something like that, or even a week or whatever, the um, servant in your household were to all of a sudden have like a concussion or something right um and then because you um you know you hit them on the back of the leg or in their back with a with a stick or something right it's saying that you're not going to be like you know held reliable for that so and then you you mentioned judges where it said you take him to the judges the word there is elohim it's actually the word for god or gods talk to josh about this as well i said you know it sounded like you uh you guys translated Elohim as judges in, in this verse in your book, and he said, yeah, but it's only because we wanted to go all the way throughout with the NIV, but I, yeah, your points, you know, stand. So um, I think there's something else happening here. Um, Dr. Heiser pointed out that the parallel passage in Deuteronomy of this verse leaves out that part about the Elohim, and he says there's a reason for that. It's because of they're um, their getting rid of their household gods. And they're pledging allegiance to Yahweh as their their patron God. And with that comes protection in the ancient world is how they looked at it. So I have other points that I, I can make if you're interested. Um, or if well,
1: you're it just me. seems like, I mean, the, the issue here is, does the Bible support slavery? And it sure sounds like you're saying, you, I mean, you say no, but then it sure sounds like you're saying, Yeah, it promotes slavery, but it needs to do that because we have to have milk until we're ready for solid food. It promoted it once upon a time, but then it reverses it. But the passages that you point to to reverse to are meta-analysis that don't ever mention slavery. So this is all not the Bible uh, even countering its own position. Which meta-analysis? It's your interpretation of, I don't know, I don't understand how your meta-analysis that does not point to a single verse that says slavery is wrong gets to to, to undermining what the Bible says about Mm -hmm. slavery. Because it's clear the Bible does sanction and endorse slavery, and you're saying that was necessary, um, which is already an admission that the Bible does do it. Now I'm asking, what verse says that slavery is actually immoral?
3: Yeah. So um, all throughout the Bible, the, slave, the word slave, um, of course, there's no word slave. It's in the, the Hebrew and in the Greek, but the word is always used as the negative. Uh, when I first talked to Dr. Josh about this, uh, we've talked about this, uh, I guess, half a dozen times or something. And then the first time I talked to him, though, he said, to, I said, um, yeah, so you don't think that the Bible is saying that slavery is a bad thing? And he says, yeah, you know, there's something about usury and about slavery that it's trying to... Like that it it doesn't like, right? Because all the laws that it's pushing for is like, hey, look, you can't do this to Hebrews, uh, slavery or usury. He's like, and then the other thing is like with Christine Hayes at Yale, the thing she points out is all the things about like um charity or um morality, claims about slavery and things like that. She all she says that it's always followed by it saying. Because I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and things like this. She's saying that, like, you can't legislate people to follow like morals. So she's saying that um, it gives that as an indication that, hey, look, this is why you should follow because I'm going to judge you one day because I'm your um, master. Like, I'm, you know, so. And then with the Gibeonites, you know, you mentioned the Gibeonites, the story of the Gibeonites, uh, they came to the Israelites and said, hey, Take us as your servants. We will be your slaves. Take us. And they um they had to lie and say they were from a faraway land in order to um to get them to take them as their servants. And then afterwards, the Israelites were regretful that they even took them as their servants because now they're they get an inheritance with Israel.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know how that is even like I asked what verse in the Bible counters the verses that explicitly endorse and sanction slavery. And instead of getting any verse, I get something that you talked to Josh about, something that Christine said about you can't legislate people to follow morals. Well, first of all, neither of them are the Bible. Neither of them is a Bible verse. And Christine's wrong that you can't legislate people to follow morals. That's what the Bible does. That's what the Ten Commandments are. And while we don't legislate every bit of morality, we legislate morality all the time.
3: Yeah, so I think, and I don't mean this in a way, but of course, but um, I, th- I think it's more of a fundamentalist view of the Bible to look at it as a book like that, right? Like, well, what part of the book, you know, where it's got, it's like, well, there's Wait, well, no. There's no William,
1: there's what's no, the topic of the debate? Does the Bible promote slavery? Sure. So I don't care what Josh says. I don't care what Christine says. I don't care about your interpretations. What does the Bible say about slavery? I read verses about slavery. You did not. Yeah. I
3: don't, I just don't see how you can go through everything that's being talked about, about slavery is negative in the Bible and then say, well, it promotes it.
1: No, it doesn't. No, everything about, no, you're wrong. Everything about slavery in the Bible is not negative. It is slaves obey your master, even the cruel ones. It doesn't say that there's anything. It doesn't even hint that there's anything wrong with slavery. It just says that your Hebrew slaves have to go free in six months or sorry, six years uh, or after six years, this is To to just read this and suggest the Bible is allowing slavery, it is legislating slavery, it is codifying it and saying you can do this and you can do this. It specifically says that they're property, that they don't have specific rights, that you won't be punished for things you do to them. And then to suggest that the Bible is saying slavery is bad is, I, I don't mean to be insulting, one of the most dishonest interpretations I've ever heard. Okay. Can you repeat that last part? Sorry, I was flipping a page. What was dishonest? To look at the Bible that says that sanctions slavery, that creates laws about slavery, that tells you who you can enslave, how much to pay for them, how you should treat them, how you can beat them, when you must let them go, how you can trick them into not letting them go. And then to to look at all that and suggest that what the Bible is really saying is that slavery is bad is one of the most dishonest interpretations. It is – this is literally like a a Trumpism of fake news. If
3: any of those things were true, I might agree with you. Here's the problem: is the thing about well, well, you can beat them. Are you them, saying that
1: the things I just said are true? Me to re- yeah, I, 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 allow I'm totally sure that are you saying that the things I, the Bible doesn't tell you? Time. I'm gonna are go through one at
3: a time, and you tell me what okay. When you say that the first that the Bible allows you to beat your servant, right? Um, that uh even secular scholars will tell you, like it's not saying, Oh, you can just beat your servant, except for you know, and as long as they don't what it's saying is that. Um, they had a corporal punishment back then, where it's like, um, you know, uh, I've watched old Kung Fu movies and and the guys that are in Shaolin Temple, you know, the monks will go and just like hit them if they're trying to break line or whatever. Well, anyway, so what you have is here, listen, uh, you're, you're covering your face actually doesn't prove that the Bible promotes slavery when everything is. You don't need to prove it. anything. You well, are, hey, being, you are on, making uh, an embarrassment uh, of yourself uh, right hey,
1: now. But go ahead, have keep some going. Composure. Have I was some quiet. Composure. I was quiet. I can't have help but that I'm composure. going to double face bomb when you sure. say something ridiculous. Sure. I'm letting sure. you continue. We do. You don't have to address me. To just keep, keep going. It, keep it civil here just to. Sure. Well, I, I don't know what wasn't civil. Have some composure. Um, what I'm even, saying is
2: in terms of uh, all of the, all of the people in the audience are excited to hear you guys. And so, Justin, in the case in which we are able to hear each of you in your times in which you're speaking.
3: Yeah. So um, first of all, again, with the, with the thing about Iran, um, with uh, being a slave, like um, it's, it's secular scholars aren't going to even agree with you on that. Um, they will say that, you know, there is moderate correction. That if, if you, um, you know, there, you can't knock out a, uh, an eye or a tooth, of course, things like this. Right. Well, it, it, Josh even puts this out in the book as one of the things he calls an extreme position that the uh, atheists take. When that's not what it's actually trying to indicate. It's just how the uh, English renders it. The other thing is that you said that, um, you know, the the Bible, so w- when you say promotes, that that's not the same as something like condones, right, uh, like allows for. For example, let's say that um, it's actually um, immoral in, so- in society to um, not be a vegan, for example, right? Um, you said um, in your debate with uh, Trent Horn that veganism is, he said, do you think that it's a rational position, though, ethical veganism? You said, no, it's not rational. It's an irrational position. Now, if they were going to try to convince you um, that it it was the moral thing, and let's say that it actually is, would they be better off to just come at you and say, stop eating meat today? Or would they say, listen, you don't have to buy factory farm stuff, right? We're going to regulate that industry. Then we're going to move to regulations on, you know, how the treatment of other, you know, um, roaming animals or whatever, right? Of course, they would be more, and so when you, by the time you get, and you brought up the uh, slaves obey your masters, is Tom Hollins points out, the you know, uh, atheists, right, and the, the, as he points out, like, Paul's not sla- saying, hey, look, it's good to be a slave, so just go and obey your masters, like, it's completely taken out of context, the, the context is that in these times, when the slaves are part of these households, um, even one of them is called part of Herod's household, right, um, they're they're being treated in in such terrible ways and then a lot of times that they thought well they thought at that point that if they were having something immoral done to them that it was actually going to reflect on them morally and he was saying look it's not going to
2: just so we have pardon my interruption just so we have a even flowing conversation just so we don't go into kind of the rebuttal sections of too long speeches let's kick it back over to matt to hear
1: a response sure well there was no response to anything i said i was accused of saying things that weren't you accuse me of saying things that weren't true. Does the Bible tell you how much you can pay for slaves?
3: Mm, not, not well, for, there's not like one thing, slavery, right? So there's differences amongst servants. Does the Bible slave. list
1: a price for slaves? In, in one, yeah, in one verse. Yes, it does. It does. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah. when I said, when I said that no, the Bible tells you, when the Bible, are you going to let me finish? When the Bible tells me, tells you how much you can pay for slaves, you said that if any of that were true, I would have a point. Well, you just admitted that that's true. Does the Bible also allow you to beat your slaves as long as they don't die within a couple of days? I said if all that was true. No, you said if any – well, all right. Oh, my gosh. So, so you would like to – Congratulations. We would have to rewind the tape and go back through everything I said to find out what the Bible says and what it doesn't say. And then you want to try to get a technical victory because you want to go with a persnickety definition of promote, as if we need to take out an advertisement and encourage it. Um, Who's talking now? To be fair, Converse. Yeah, go ahead. So I went through the Bible because the subject of the debate is, does the Bible promote slavery? Now, the only way you can try to get a, a no is by redefining either promote or slavery. Now, you tried to redefine promote or go with a particular definition. I won't say redefine. Go with a particular definition that is a promote as if I'm a promoter of an act. Like, here, you should do this. But as I pointed out in my opening statement, that that's not the only usage of promote. It's not the only dictionary usage of promote. And that there are a number of different ways to do it. If you want to just say that the Bible does not say, thou shalt enslave people, I will agree with you in a heartbeat. Is that your point? No, of course not. Okay. Like, I never, in fact, I don't think I've ever
3: defined promote. I think that I just asked Dr. Josh, did he think that the Bible I don't care. Enslave.
1: I don't care what Dr. Josh says, I, what, especially we, in an edited clip. Why well, that was a, call that we talked about anyway well, so it was um, an edited clip and jo- dr josh sat was, right next to me the last time i, I debated know, this topic here and he agrees with me now no. if you he he absolutely does he literally this was like three days ago okay i specifically specifically asking well he said I then it doesn't matter me. what dr josh says or what your interpretation of dr josh says it also doesn't matter what your interpretation of the bible is it's i've asked repeatedly is
3: there a verse respond. okay so um okay so not even um, not even most secular scholars are gonna agree with you on on these verses. These same verses are brought up and brought up and brought up. But the thing is, is that the, the it's not looked at in the ancient world in the same way. So for example, with capitalism, let's say capitalism is immoral in reality, right? Well, if you even allow for it, are you promoting it? Right? Even if you allow for it, and let's say a Democrat as who's a socialist is regulating it and trying to get market socialism or something like that, right? Are they promoting capitalism because they're allowing for it? I don't think so. That's yep, why they are. that's why Dr. Josh on his book called it did the Old Testament endorse slavery and ah, the why okay. well, This is, is of, this
1: is now a complete Wasted because William here is trying to say, "Oh, he didn't redefine promote, but he, he agrees that the Bible no, endorses slavery, I agree but not that, that it the Bible it. allows
3: for it to regulate it." But everything about slavery in the Bible is all regulations, everything on it, because they're moving people away from it. Everything you don't know about that it, you have no way to demonstrate every, that.
1: Just like you have no way to demonstrate that. Just like you have no way to demonstrate your continual it. assertion. That most secular scholars would disagree with me, which I find to be ridiculous. How many secular scholars did you pull to come up with that little nugget? Well, here's the thing.
3: All I'm saying is that I'm saying that that secular scholars aren't going to take these verses and say, "Oh, it says that," um, you know. You can uh, beat your slave as long as they can get up after a couple of days. They're not going to say that. And then, like with the thing with obey your masters, like uh, the atheist professors and like uh, scholars historians have pointed out that that's not saying like it's good to be a slave. So obey your masters. In fact, I quoted a verse where Paul said, "If you can gain your freedom, do it."
1: That's but not it a verse but, against slavery. That's an ad, that's a direction to individuals to yeah. gain freedom if they can. Yeah, it's because not a verse the, against slavery.
3: Because in the Roman Empire, you couldn't just gain. Um, your freedom just by saying, oh, it's, you know, I mean, it's everything that's written about slavery in the entire Bible is saying, is, is implying that it's wrong by saying, look, you, if, that, if that's just not true. Okay. Well, maybe you can give me an example where it I gave marks, you tons like, of
1: examples because I'm the only one here who's quoted a regulation. single verse that includes slavery. Yeah. You get no. I'm the only person in this debate that quoted a single verse that includes slavery. That's not true.
3: Um, all throughout my opening, I quoted through um, Galatians, I quoted First Corinthians. Yeah, I wrote I, them all down,
1: and I looked them all up, and none of them include the Hebrew word or the Greek word that are being used with regard to slavery. Not one of them includes any not true. of those words. It
3: that's is not true. true. Nope, I can prove it right now. I mean, uh, Doulos right. is in First Corinthians chapter 7, which I quoted. Doulos is also in Galatians, which I quoted uh, multiple verses there in
1: my slideshow. Since 7, uh, 18 through 21. Right. First Corinthians. I'll pull it up minor linear. Chapter 7 Let's see. Verses 18 through 21. And you say the dueless is in there, which is 1404. Uh, 1401. Yes, art thou called being a servant, care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, uh, use it rather. That is not about slavery, that is about can you can you free yourself?
3: But you said it, that nothing I quoted had the word slavery in.
1: Oh, okay, all right. In that case, I will retract that. Nothing that you quoted was an admonition against slavery, the practice, and nothing that you quoted was in any way countering the law. And not a jot or tittle of the law shall pass away until all these so, things have come to pass.
3: Yeah. So the entire um, the entire um, letter of Galatians, which I quoted a lot, you know, a lot of. Is the entire thing is Paul saying? Look, you can't be justified by the law. The law was a slave master, or a, uh, a it's well the word there's used as a um, uh, a servant, right? And it's a servant, and he says, I mean, that the heir, uh, as long as the is ch- a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but is under the guardians and managers. Those dates set by his father. In the same way, we also were children, were enslaved by the elementary principles of the world in the fullness of time. God sent forth his son, one of the woman, one of the law, and redeemed those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons, like a Manu, manumission you mentioned, um, where you could actually get free of being a slave. Everything in this letter is about how the law is slavery. And we, uh, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Uh, this is chapter 5, verse 13, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through long, uh, uh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word that you shall love your neighbor as yourself, and so forth. So that entire letter is about how s- the law is slavery, and that if you go back under that yoke of slavery, then you are indebted to do the entire law, and you're cut off from Christ. Yes. Yes. Um, the Book of Philemon has nothing English.
1: to do with the practice of slavery, being a slave to the law. This is right. about the difference between the Noadic covenant and the Mosaic covenant and whether or not you wanted to be a Jew. This this ties into the circumcision argument about whether or not you want to be under the fullness of the law or do you want to be amongst the Gentiles? That's what this is about. There's nothing in Paul's letter that is slavery is immoral. Slavery shouldn't happen. Do not own people as people. Yeah, I, just, I don't buy that, right? Because um, It's a fact. A ju- Well, no, it's not a fact. It is a fact. Show me a verse in the Bible that says it is immoral to own people as property, because I can show you verses that permit owning people as property and do not say that it's immoral.
3: Yeah, everything that you're going to say, every verse that you can come up with is going to say something like, you know, but if you're to own a slave, you have to treat them this way. And it's because it's assumed that this is a not something that uh, would be a good thing. Right? No, um, everything it's not in the that. New Testament. It, 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 like you're the, wrong. It's the, not every well, verse like that. So Christ is is in first wow. in uh, Philippians chapter two is said, is said to have although he exists in the form of God, did not see the equality he had with God something to be held on to. So he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. Right. Um, so even God took on the form of servant for us. And then in Paul's um, other letters, like Philemon, where he goes on to tell, you know, uh, Philemon to take Onesimus back no longer as a as a slave, but as a brother. And uh, he, t- he basically tells him, like, hey, look, and I'm going to come, you know, I'm going to come by, you know, but I'll know you'll do more even than let him free. Right. And then in another letter, he says, you know, he send, he's sending Onesimus um, out with the other brothers that are doing work for Christ. But also, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free. Um, the, the verses you quoted about uh, the uh, Obey Your Masters, even, like I said, atheist historians have said, like, look, that's just talking about, like, how the treatment of these slaves, they were doing immoral things to them, right? Like, uh, sexual things, and that they could, uh, they were saying, like, hey, look, this sexual stuff we're doing, and he's like, you're not doing it. Like, it's happening to you. You're obey your masters, but uh, even the cruel ones, because how, what are you going to do? Get yourself out of it. But if you can, right, free yourself from it, you know, but, but if you're stuck there, basically, then, you know, it's not going to cause you to go out to not have salvation because, you know, you're not a slave to the law anymore. You don't have that yoke. The, the, the the terminology of burden and yoke and slavery is all through Paul's vernacular as a terrible thing. Uh, To take Couple of his verses out of context and say, "Oh, therefore he says that slavery is a good thing," and I just don't. I'm not. I'm not going to buy it.
1: Well, I don't care, and I don't care what Paul has to say because. My point is, I read you verses specifically, and you mischaracterize those verses, by the way, talking about that all of them say, if you take a slave, and suggest it's a bad thing. Well, if you take a slave is not at all suggesting it's a bad thing, but Leviticus 25 doesn't say if you take a slave. It says, both thy bondmen and thy maids, which thou shalt have shall be of the heathen that are around about you. Of them shall ye buy bondmen and bondservant. That is not remotely in the format that you suggested that you'd like to blow off. So you're not even addressing. I read and pointed to a bunch of verses, not just one, that specifically goes through and talks about actual slavery, the, the buying and selling of people. You decided to go with, well, here's this meta-narrative. Paul is really against slavery. I'm not convinced Paul's against slavery, but even if he was, Paul isn't God. Paul is, isn't Jesus. Where's Jesus' message? Why couldn't Jesus have simply said, all that stuff in Exodus, all of that stuff in Leviticus, all of those old law things that allowed you to own people's property? All of that was immoral. It has gone on long enough. From this day forward, I command you to not own people as property. Isn't He God? Couldn't he have done that?
3: Yeah, I don't I don't like the the uh, the power argument right? because I mean, it's just gonna say that like all it's gonna say is that, well, couldn't God have not let them do anything? freely, um, not, you know, giving them these options or whatever, right. And not watch what they did. And so if you, if God wants freedom in the world to say anything, like, uh, couldn't God have, you know, supernaturally zapped them and made them to, you know, completely be different people than who they were. Well, I don't think that it's working like that, right. God's using the means of the world to bring about change in the world and for his purposes. And so, while there's going to be, you know, these people that are going to continue with these verses and, and like to, to pick out a context, but the thing is, is that man, even with the, um, the uh, Leviticus chapter um, 25 that you brought up, I'm seeing if all through the chapter, right? And so, um, but the thing is, is that, you know, probably as well as I do that in Hebrew, right? It's just going to have the terms, right? And so... For example, um, Joseph is is um, called you know a servant of uh, of uh, he's in the house of Pharaoh. Kings are called servants. You know this. Josh mentions this in the book. This isn't to say that like um, you know servitude is a good thing. He even says in the end of the book, he's like, hey, look, look, I'm not trying to you know apologize for it or anything. It you know that's not going to say that like you know it's going to be compare you know comparable to like bad slavery in the United States transatlantic trade, slave, uh, slave trade. Right. But, um, you know, at least he, I, I think that his book was pretty honest about some of those things where he adds in and so says like, Hey, look, but I got to stop and say this, you know, like, uh, be careful if you're going to try and use this first in this way, because it in, in the original, in the Hebrew, it's not really getting at what, what, you know, what you're pointing there. And so. so oh, uh, if your point. Well, oh, there no, was sorry. some you were done. Your opening that I was going to, um, you know, say, but but yeah, I mean. Well, more... if you're going to go
1: down this line of if God wants freedom, He can't make robots. Then He shouldn't be giving all those instructions to kill people for all kinds of minor things. I find it ridiculous to suggest that God uh, just, you know, uh, He doesn't want to. He, he wants freedom. So you should be free, free to own slaves. I mean, slavery is the most anti-freedom thing that you could point to. To suggest that God in the name of freedom, must allow slavery, is asinine. But there was something else in my opening you wanted to get to. And I I agree with that, actually. And in his book, um,
3: Luis de Molina, um, Kurt McGregor talks about how Molina makes the same argument. It was uh, a Molina. You know what book you haven't pulled up? Well, we have plenty of books, but um, Molina argues that same thing. He says, hey, look, if, um, you know, you're enslaving people. You're not allowing them freedom to to choose whether to accept Christ because you're basically forcing them into it. And he he was one of the um, earliest people to argue against the slave trade and um, the transatlantic slave trade. So,
1: but yeah, I mean, in and the Bible, be less relevant to whether or not the Bible promotes slavery.
3: No, it's exactly like- what you just said. I was actually just bringing up exactly what you just said and saying, yeah, a uh, a church uh, Jesuit uh, agreed with you on that. I was just
1: thing so, and, and I, but I don't care, that's the point. I don't care. You keep citing references, this is, just rhetoric. That, that, this is
3: just rhetoric. This isn't even scholarship, this is just rhetoric. That's all it is.
1: What are you talking about? This is just rhetoric.
3: It's just like Vosh said one day on screen. I thought it was funny. He, this guy was giving all these facts. He's like, Look, dude, even if you're right, my rhetoric is so strong that you're just gonna lose
1: because my rhetoric is so strong. Wait, are you like suggesting you're that meaning. I'm the one using rhetoric here? Of course, wow, I'm the only one. Sky, that's an incredibly strong delusion. Because what I'm pointing out is that I came to this debate to talk about what the Bible says about slavery. And you have talked about Josh and Christine and pulled up a book left and right and everything else and danced away in order to suggest that I'm just wrong and secular scholars disagree with me. No evidence, no argument, just boom. And now you want to accuse me of rhetoric. I read from the Bible. I made a compelling case That is not even remotely controversial, and you're just going to suggest that I'm just spewing rhetoric in order to win. The fact of the matter is I'm right. Not even remotely controversial, right? When And the fact
3: is is that if you read that argument about slaves and households and uh, Lark Hulvardson from the Oriental Institute, um, even when I talked to Josh the other night um, for like two or three hours, we we were talking about how, well, yeah, a lot of this stuff is contentious because it's like, well, does Hebrew mean – you know, um, an Israelite, is it synonymous? Like even the Jewish, uh, I believe it's the, uh, Oxford Jew, uh, forget, um, I can pull it up, but they even say that, uh, Israelite and, um, and, um, Hebrew are not the same term. Hebrews were before th- that the land took their, they got the inheritance of the land, for example, um, with the inheritance where you can, oh, you can inherit them forever and blah, blah, blah. Well, of course, as Joshua said in the book, like, uh, Forever means like something like in perpetuity, but there's, it's debated about what that could possibly mean, even with the inheritance thing, that could be the household, Dr. Heiser argues that, you know, um, this thing where it's like you go to the gods and pierce their ear if they want to stay in your household, and then they become part of your family, part of your household, and they actually get inheritance, for example, uh, Abraham, who, when he didn't have an heir, right, an inheritor, he um, he said, "My ser- God, I don't have a seed. My servant will inherit my things." And so, what I'm saying is, all of this stuff is hotly debated. And and while I can just grant everything and say, okay, even if all this stuff were the case, Christ is saying, like in Matthew chapter 19, that. It wasn't that way from the beginning for some of the laws. It's a principle that you can apply. Um, and then uh, you were given it because the hardness of your heart. You're a barbaric group of people, right? So God used um, certain laws to, uh, you know, move you, move you um, forward, right? Which uh, laws so- and how do you know which laws? Well, that's that's the point of scripture, right, is, to, is hermeneutics, right? No, so I know, you at, asked you a question. Well, which laws I was trying and how to answer know it, too, when you interrupted me. I was in the middle of my answer.
1: Well, but I'm sorry. You just have been talking for a long and time, and, and fine, I thought it would be relevant question, to have a discussion point.
3: That's fine. Well, if, if you want to, you know, give some points, that's fine. But if you ask me your question in return, then all I can do is respond, right? And so, so what I would say is hermeneutics, right? Like, if you find something that all throughout the Old Testament, um, scholars agree that, you know, It's being talked of as like the worst thing, you know, that you can have done to you. And then you get to the New Testament and you have things like uh, the list in, what is it, uh, uh, Timothy, where it says, um, you know, list all these people, liars, thieves, you know, and then it mentions slave traders, right? And and when you get to Philemon, Paul's telling you know him to take his slave back. He no longer as a slave, but as a brother. You get to uh, Paul's letters. No difference between you Greek. Uh, he's talking about the laws. This is, is, is this is a yoke on us. It's a burden to us. If you're a slave to the law, sin. If you're if you're um un, you know you're a slave to your sin, right? If you sin, you're a slave to your sin. Like it's being used in every case as a negative. But you're saying, well, it promotes it as a good thing.
1: I didn't say promotes as a good
3: thing. Well what does promote mean if it's not promote promotion? means
1: to further, to advocate, to endorse, to sanction. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that it was necessarily ever declared to be a moral good. What I'm saying is that not only did it not prohibit it, but it took steps that allowed it to continue and encouraged it. Would you advocate for something that wasn't good? I mean, if even if you say promote is you advocation, you're, no, you're and, advocating you're advocating for the Bible continuing to advocate for slavery because you think it's too much for God to outlaw it. No,
3: I think that it has been outlawed.
1: That's the opposite. I'm not i
3: I'm not a bronze. No, Asian no, no. Food. Your
1: point, this was the, this was the milk and tell solid food that yeah. it was, your point was about strategy. Your point was, you, you said like, if the vegans were trying to convince me, would it be better for them just to assert X and then boom, or would it be better to ease into it? And you, that was your whole thing. Would it be better for God to just outlaw slavery or to ease into it? What is your which, answer? Which means you're what, sorry, what? What is your answer to that? My answer is that he's God, he can do whatever he wants, and if he's too weak to outlaw slavery, you don't, get to say, you don't get to say that it's because he values freedom. He clearly doesn't value freedom. And by the way, I don't think any of this was done by a God. I think this was done by people. That's, but it yeah. doesn't matter because you, by your very argument against why it doesn't prohibit slavery, have agreed that it sanctions, endorses, advocates. Yeah. You just don't like the word promote which is the exact thing I predicted. It's not that really. It is not that that, really. It is that I can
3: assert. it. I can can assert it is just just as many times as you can assert. It's not right. Exactly. And we can go all day, whatever. So here's the deal. Like, but you're not fooling anybody. Well, you said like five things. there, so Let me just respond to a couple of things. Right. Like one was that. um, So the servanthood thing, right. That um, the Bible promotes uh, slavery and it, and it doesn't never outlaw at any place. Where's the verse that says, um, you know, you thou thou shalt not own the slave or whatever. Right. And what I was trying to say before I was in last time is that the Bible is not a book that's like every code there is, right? Um, the ancient Near Eastern law codes are more, John Walton points this out in his book, The Tor, Lost World of Torah, that they're more like ancient wisdom sayings, right? And they're not even supposed to be looked at as minimal sentences or anything, right? They're, they're looked at as, as these um, uh, not ap- apodictic law, um, but more as case law. So anyway, um, uh, what else should you say there? um yeah the thing about freedom it's like um you know well could he i don't see why god god's so weak why couldn't he just make them change their minds or whatever it's like well to say to make somebody do something freely is is you know it doesn't make sense so to say like isn't he powerful enough to make them do something well yeah he can right but the whole point is is that God's the only reason why he created the world, right, is to have these free creatures and so to come into a relationship with him uh, freely.
1: No, 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 so, no, He can outlaw shrimp. He can outlaw wearing mixed fabrics. He can outlaw sex with certain people and not outlaw sex with other people. But when you say the Bible is not a book that's like every code there is, are you suggesting that a prohibition against slavery just wasn't important enough for God to worry about? What do you mean by that? Well, if... I agree. We're not going to include every rule and law and code that could exist, but you'd think we would include the most important ones. And if it is truly immoral and truly repugnant to God to own another person as property, why wasn't that one important enough to mention?
3: Well, if we were talking about importance, right, um, the, the vegans can say that, you know, that's pretty important. You're going to say they're irrational. Um, so that's gonna be, you know, but but the other thing you did is um, well, I'll come back to that because I don't want to respond to your point directly, but like um why didn't it outlaw the most important thing? That's like saying, like, let's say the capitalism is immoral today, right? So would God come to us and say, all right, everybody in America has to stop, or everybody in the world you have to stop capitalism because it's immoral, whatever, right? Um that institution even Noam chomsky pointed this out in a recent interview when he was um being interviewed he's like yeah i'm a vegan right but i'm not going to advocate for getting rid of um you know meat right now because of the chaos that would ensue right it's something that has to be um is got to be moved toward and so with uh, for example uh capitalism uh if you're a communist um, you might say look market socialism and to so forth, right? Because otherwise it's just riot. It's just riot anarchy until we get the power to do what we want to do with it. Now, the other point about like, well, I don't believe God did this, you know, it's just well, that, I feel like that's the taxicab fallacy because the, it's, the taxicab fallacy is when you're going along with the internal critique and then you hop out and say, well, from my perspective, I don't even, you know, well, it's like, yeah, but the whole point is that you're going along with the internal critique, right? So you can't just hop out when you want, right? But but if you're just saying like oh, that's your personal view or whatever, that's fine.
1: But- yeah, William, it wasn't an argument. I'm the only one here that's mm-hmm. actually making an argument. Do uh, we have questions? I, feel like I
3: made an argument. We've got I about made, five more minutes until I feel we feel go like you dodged Q&A.
1: every question. I'm still waiting for a verse that counters the verses that I gave that allows for slavery. And you either don't give a verse, you give an interpretation of. A longer thing, or you suggest that well, what what you cited doesn't really promote slavery. Okay, well,
3: well, I mean, I could I could just you know read point verses. That's what you want. I mean, um, for example, um, everything about it. That's why I was trying to point to this thing about inheritance, right? Because um, the uh, Paul points out that like, for if the inheritance comes by the law. It is no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Why then the law? it was added, the law was added. Why? Because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, but in place uh, put in place through angels and intermediaries uh, and so forth, right. So the I'm law sorry, what's that have to do with slavery? Well, because the law, which contains verses about slavery, right, was put into place because of the transgressions of the people. It was to limit these transgressions, right? But it wasn't that way from the beginning, obviously, because um, the promise I was given to Abraham, this was just until the seed could come or whatever, right? So, um,
1: You do realize that – do you play board games at all? Mm, Not much, no. Okay. I play a lot of board games. And um, generally (laughs) speaking, a new rule overrides an old rule, and a specific rule overrides a general rule. General rules never override specific rules. So, if you have a specific rule that addresses slavery, you can't counter it with a general rule that you interpret as addressing slavery, especially if that general rule doesn't even mention slavery. That's the way reasoning works for Wait. stacking rules. And the That's... Bible, the the, the six hundred and thirteen mitzvot, is the law. Now, let take a look at what Jews had to do when the, when they got around. When, you, you've got the Torah, and when they're looking at the Talmud, the Jews look at this and say. Why does the Talmud, or why does the Torah, permit slavery? Why does God permit slavery? He, he brought us out of slavery, and he took, gave us specific rules about how to enslave our own people, but only temporarily. But he allows slavery elsewhere. And now we're at a point where we find that to be immoral. Why did God allow it? And so the Talmud addresses these sorts of things, yeah. but this is human beings explaining why they no longer accept what the Bible says. You're not going to find Jewish scholars who say, ah, the Bible doesn't promote slavery because it absolutely does.
3: Yeah. So um, the thing where you said where like uh, there's, Oh, well, it definitely says like, here's how you enslave your, uh, your uh, brothers or your fellow countrymen or whatever. Right. Um, It says like things like, well, if you're uh, somebody, if your brother becomes poor and sells himself, right. Everything that you see is saying like, if someone sells themselves to you, blah blah blah, you know, these are the regulations or whatever. It's like, well, if it's fine, I don't see why to regulate it. First of all, but second of all, it's like the everything in the like everything about the Bible is polemics. Um like I I keep citing secular scholars to 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 you know so that you don't say oh well he's Paul Copan is book right there. He's a Christian. So why would I believe oh so that's why I'm I'm citing scholars that um aren't Christians who don't have you know what you're gonna say is a bias, right? And so um, the the whole point is that when you're reading something about like, um, you know, if they, something like if they don't get up, if they get up after a couple of days, blah, 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 about the, uh, you know, uh, corporal punishment, it's the same thing for the child about, you know, uh, they use the same rod, whatever, Josh talks about this, but, but anyway, so the whole point is that even the thing about the Gibeonites that you pulled up, the Gibeonites came to them to sell themselves into slavery to them, said, buy us and take us. We came from a faraway place. And when they found out, no, they didn't. They were your neighbors that you're fighting against. They regretted that they made a covenant with them, and they didn't want them as slaves. But because they were so like, you know, they're like, well, we have to honor our covenants because covenants were like a big thing in the ancient world. So my whole argument is just that the same way that Christ says about divorce, that um Moses gave you that law because of the hardness of your heart, but it was not that way from the beginning. It's the same way I look at Paul and all these others talking about slavery and the law in the the Old Testament saying that the law was a taskmaster the law was um you know added because of transgressions until the seed would come the law was this thing because we were barbaric groups of people to shape us until christ would come whatever but now we have this freedom and these false brothers come in to spy us out on our freedom and to try to enslave us once more and so if you want to say that like well the law has nothing to do with slavery or those verses have it's like i don't know what to do
1: like does the bible say i can own another person's property
3: no. Um, if you want to
1: say, like, does a certain verse.
3: Well, I'm, I'm not a Bronze Age Jew. I'm not an Iron Age Jew. I'm a Christian. Is there a passage in the Bible
1: that says I can own another person as property?
3: Well, in the, in the Old Testament laws, it was allowed for that. But by, Why can't by, you
1: just say yes?
3: Yeah, because here's the whole point, is the whole thing that you're saying, own another person as property, right? There are some implications that are being hidden in there. There's some assumptions that are hidden, right? If you look at households in the ancient Near East, the whole thing about owning another person's property, um, a lot of the, so, you know, with Hebrew, there's not a lot of those filler words in there. Somebody becoming part of your property or inheritance, as I pointed to earlier, Abraham's servant was the heir to all of his things. And so being becoming, um, uh, Martin, Dale Martin points this out at Yale, where he I says, rest like, my case. What? Okay, well, rest your case. That's just you rhetoric. Got up. I can that give you another minute. Congress. It's not
1: rhetoric, it's tactic, because the answer to that question was yes. And you didn't want to get to the follow-up question, was is there a verse or passage that says I'm not allowed to not own a human being as property? Because the answer to that one is no. And now I'm not just going to sit here and waste time on a tap dance.
3: No, it wasn't a tap dance. I specifically addressed your point. I said there were hidden assumptions in there.
1: I literally just mean- got a message from Dr. Josh. Would you like me to read it? Sure, read it out loud. I can't describe it, entire... but he doesn't agree with your assessment of me, That is but... not
3: the case. I have a three-hour video that we re- uh, talked just the other night on the phone. If you – in fact, I can just quote you the verses um, from his book. He says all this in the book about how he's uh, – about how atheists are too extreme on a lot of these positions. We, But – Yeah. I, I, just to
2: Two wrap up, like, warning that we do have to go into the q a shortly. If either of you guys have any final thoughts to draw th- together some of the threads from tonight's discussion,
0: go
3: ahead,
1: Matt. Oh, you should go first because I went first with the opening. Right. Oh,
3: okay. Well, it worked oh, in
2: reverse like, order, but wouldn't that mean that no? Too. It's
1: a bookend thing. You have an advantage mm-hmm. or disadvantage of going first and then potentially last, but uh, it doesn't matter. I was it's waiting. Fun. To-
3: it's fine. I'm not, it's not a big deal. Okay. So I'll say that everything that is said about slavery in the Bible is everything in the Old Testament is a regulation on the institution. Okay. It'd be the same thing as if you walked up to a, you know, a, a liberal Democrat, socialist, market socialist, whatever, and said, Hey, look, you promote capitalism because you want to regulate industries and capitalism, right? Um, everything in the New Testament the word slave and yoke and burden, bear each other's burdens. All of these terminologies, um, you know, listing the um, the sinners with the liars and so forth, with slave traders and and, the, and such. All of these things that they're, they're all slaves always used as a negative, as a bad thing. So to to try to say that promotion of something means to allow for it to occur without immediately stopping it. The same way a market socialist allows for a market to exist uh in capitalism uh even though they want to regulate it it's i think it's just short-sighted and really it's it's facile it's a it's giving a neat summary without the complexities of the actual issue we can
1: kick it over to matt go ahead matt i read the actual verses and what they say i'll leave it up to the audience to determine if whether or not what william is saying is true were all of those negatives were all of those verses portrayed Slavery is a negative when it says you shall buy your slaves from this and they become your property. Is it? Does it actually say that you can own people as property and pass them on to your children? Yes, it absolutely does. Does it ever say that you cannot do this? No, it does not. Does it ever say that slavery is immoral? No, it does not. Does it ever say that slavery is prohibited? No, it does not. It is only through interpretation and reaching outside of there that you can even get to that conclusion. So what the Bible says about slavery... I read those verses, and there's more that I didn't read, but they're similar. This notion that the Bible does not promote slavery either has to come down to, well, I'm using a very particular definition of promote. I agree it endorses slavery, it sanctions slavery, but promote, I would expect promote to be like a poster that says, this is good, you should go do that. Uh, That I'm not interested in discussions that try to win a debate like that. I'm also not interested in discussions where when I ask for a verse that counters something, I get a bunch of sophistry and then I'm accused of rhetoric. Uh, you can go back and listen through the debate and we've got questions coming up. Who read from the Bible, who addressed what the Bible actually said and who cited anyone and everyone under the sun in order to try to pretend that there's a meta narrative that all of it's negative that counters all of this. Um, uh, This is straightforward. You got it. Thank you very much
2: for those closing statements. And then, do I understand, Matt, you're saying that bookending it, in other words, one person both starts at the very start and then ends at the very end. What was your, I just want to understand, just because I I always like new perspectives on how we can do
3: things here.
1: I'm sorry. I'm not sure I understood the question.
3: So He's I saying you get an advantage when you go first because you get to open to the audience. And then when you get to go last, you get the final word. So it's kind of like you open to the audience and then you get the last word. But with usually in a traditional
2: debate. That's standard debate, debate formats. Uh, oh, so you were just saying models. you wanted the.
1: I don't care. I didn't really care. I was waiting for an answer from Josh. <laughs> but standard debate formats or, or one of the standard debate formats is that you, you go first, you go second, you go. And then and at the end, you get the last word because. Going first can be a disadvantage. You you are in the affirmative. You are the one who has the case to demonstrate. And so if you went first and then the other person went, well, it's about debate procedure, but it's fine. If you guys think that, I don't don't care. We're always
2: happy to change things up. And Jay Rivera 345 says, William, can you just admit the Bible was written by subjective-minded human men of barbaric time and not inspired by an all-powerful God? You can still believe in God, but please don't pretend slavery isn't being promoted,
3: yeah, so I did I actually called excuse me, <clears throat> I actually called them barbaric myself, right um you know, when Christ says the hardness of your heart, but he's not the only one to say it says the hardness of your heart. Um, Paul says it as well. Um, when when they look back on these things, and Paul says the law was added because of transgressions and things like this. Um, but that doesn't mean that God didn't inspire, right? That doesn't mean that God's not using these barbaric group of people and shaping them into a way into where they would be in a place to accept um, the Messiah, for example. Um, Last thing, Dale Martin at Yale, he had a thing where he went through the Roman Empire and their households, right, in one of his lectures on Yale's YouTube channel, and he talks about households and how servants, you know, upward mobility and all these things, right? And it's comparable to, um, you know, employees and things like that. Where well, you could set one free, but freed and free aren't the same. And then he says that, like, only in that type of environment would even make sense to even have anything like Christianity, where people are, you know, saying that a slave died on a cross, a slave's death, and he's God, right? Tom Holland makes the same
1: point, both atheists. I would agree that it doesn't mean that God isn't moving people in a certain direction. It also doesn't mean that God is moving people in a certain direction. That actually needs to be demonstrated with evidence, and it's funny how God needs to be cagey about slavery but not other things to move people away from their sin.
2: I'll give you the last word, Converse, since it was for you if you want.
3: Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, so the thing about this is – Within institutions, like an institution for a culture, right? Um, That's why I mentioned uh, veganism or or capitalism, things like that, and communism is because with an institution, it's not as easy as just like, um, I want you to zap everybody and make them believe or whatever, right, that it's wrong. It's like with Matt, he thinks veganism is irrational, he said, ethical veganism. So to convince him, I'm not going to say, you know, well, you should stop today. I'm going to say, you know, what do you think about regulating this industry or whatever?
2: Right. This one from Matt says, Ian Aspie, thanks for your question. Says, how do you address claims that biblical slavery wasn't as bad as antebellum slavery or the original Hebrew also means servant and thus isn't slavery?
1: Yeah, So it doesn't matter how bad it was or was, wasn't. It doesn't matter how bad it was compared to some other form of slavery. Um, what the Bible advocates is immoral. And to kind of address the last little thing, uh, it's a ridiculous Um, hyperbolic exaggeration to suggest that I was suggesting that God needs to zap everyone into believing something or zap everyone into obeying something. God can freely come forward and say slavery is immoral, and human beings can still disobey that instruction. It is absurd to suggest that the only option, or the one that I'm suggesting... Is that God has to force people to believe or make people do stuff? No, God can make a list and say, "Here's all the things that thou shalt not do," and it hasn't stopped people from doing it.
3: Yeah, I mean you it's the same it. thing. I, I,
2: I uh, yeah. just to
1: pardon my just so we can keep on
2: moving because we've got yep. so many conversations. Uh, Joseph Gatto says. Thanks for your kind words, Joseph, your support. And then raw nakedness says slavery of Jews lasted seven or 50 years. Slavery for others was a chattel bondage that was inherited via the mother.
3: Yeah. Is that for me? Yep. Yeah. So that's the whole point that, you know, I was bringing up with this inheritance language. That's why I brought it up from the beginning, right? Um, Even with Deuteronomy chapter 32, excuse me, the whole thing about, um, And uh, Yahweh, uh, when he said that, um, but Jacob is my allotted inheritance, right? Um, God's also called the inheritance of the Levites. He says that Jacob's his inheritance. He um, and so forth. So the the word for inheritance there, right? And um, it's not uh, so to inherit to have somebody passed down as inheritance is to have them be a part of your family. Like I say, just read the, the articles on households and so forth, right? And See, that's just rhetoric. Like, all you have to do is disprove me by an article or by a scholarship, right? Like, so for all the, like, people who think that doing like this is like an argument to defeat my position, I just – I agree. It's not an argument. It wasn't
1: intended to be an argument. But every now and then, when somebody says something, I can't help but react. When you suggest that passing your slave down to your children makes them a part of your family, that's humorous. Sorry. Yeah, just – just it's not he, an argument. It doesn't mean he's wrong at all. I completely agree with William. I did not in any way prove he's wrong. Yeah, hundred percent.
3: Because like with I my say, snorted laughter. Yeah, because the the scholars that, that I cited in that, um, you know, Dale Martin talks about this in his lectures, uh, Laura Colbertson's articles. You know, they they just talk about the, the the household unit, right? So it was just a different times, it different institution. It's Like you know, uh, employees are. Are, it's it's wrong to be an employee maybe in the grand narrative of morality but that it's not in this you know where we are or whatever so
2: you got it and ace acco says would you have a problem if the, if the bible said that you could beat a non slave
3: is that for me or for, that's probably for
1: matt right i would I, I have a problem with the bible or anyone else suggesting that you can beat anybody
2: yeah, I was, I was thinking it was for you, Converse.
1: Oh, for me? I think so. Okay.
3: When I have well, a problem, I mean, Yeah, I think what the per- questioner might be saying is like, hey, look, Matt, are you just upset about this, um, you know, corporal punishment thing because it's of a slave? Like, is it, what if it's like a free person? That's what I took, but maybe I'm wrong about that. And I can just answer, well, yeah, I mean, if the Bible said that, like, for example... You know, it said, uh, you can, you know, it's fine to beat people or whatever. When it also says things like treat your neighbors yourself and you know, you reap what you sow and all these different things. Like, well, yeah, I mean, I would probably say that's not in the line with the rest of it or whatever.
1: Slaves aren't neighbors, by the way. What was that? Slaves aren't neighbors, by the way. They're not co equal, they don't have rights. When, it, when the Bible talks about your neighbors, it's talking about brethren. When in the Old Testament, to the whatever extent there's neighbors, it's fellow Hebrews, which have different rules for how you treat them. And in the New Testament, it's talking about fellow Christians.
3: Well, not not exclusively, because sure, for I example, in, Le, in Leviticus chapter twenty-five, it does say that um, you know sojourners and foreigners you should treat um, as your as your neighbor. Yeah, I mean, it says specifically that they're um, you should not uh, if it, uh, you should treat the the stranger and the sojourner you know as a member of uh, your Hebrew clan or of your um, your group. So.
1: But they don't gain the rights that other Jews have. That's talking about being nice to people. That's not about what rights they have. I want to jump. Well, to- that's
3: yeah, that's kind of debated because, like I said before, like just looking at a passage and with the uh, twenty twenty one goggles on, it's it's different from like whenever you read, for example, the, the Abraham talking about his servant inheriting inheriting his stuff. Like, how do you take that and go like, well, even those are not, you know he was his slave, it's like, well, how does he inherit all this stuff? Because he came be part of his household, and it says that he was the highest member of his household or whatever, right? And so there's just a different hierarchy back in those days. It's great to be a slave.
2: This one coming in from Stacy Flores says, Guys, what do you think about slave goods sold in America and modern slavery? That more slaves now than ever exist, including online porn. Do you think biblical slavery is worse than now? And great debate to both of you.
1: I have no idea what the statistics are right now with regard to slavery. I know some information about human trafficking, both within the sex trade and elsewhere. But um, I I couldn't really answer because I don't have the numbers, but I'm opposed to slavery in all of its forms, um, right up to the one that's advocated for in the Bible.
3: um, Yeah, so there there are still... um, I don't have the citation on me, but um, there's still m- at least, okay, I can't remember if it was a million or more slaves, right, still in the world today, of course, um, that's going to be in countries where, you know, uh, in, in in countries like Africa, as well as like Asian countries, but um, probably the shirt that Matt's wearing came from, slave labor, probably his cell phone came from slave labor, Probably the majority of items in his house came from slavery. Like, I mean, I can understand somebody saying like, well, hey, look, that may be the case. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and limit the amount of things that I purchase that are based on that. But, um, you know, it's like, are you uh, promoting slavery because you're allowing for those items to come into your home? You're paying your money for them. Are you promoting it? I mean, I I don't know. It's just. uh...
2: You got it. And we'll jump into the next one. This one for me, for Matt. Jake C says, you focus on the evil of, quote, owning another person, unquote. If the Bible only advocated for imprisonment slash labor in the exact same conditions, but without ownership, would that make a big
1: difference to you? It would make a difference. I'm not sure that it would make a big difference. Um, I'm not opposed to imprisonment for actual crimes, um, but we've learned better about prisoners of war that we don't make them slaves anymore. And we've have I wish we had, had rules that get us past war, I, you know, one of these days in, in some pie in the sky thing, maybe. Um, but I think we've learned a lot since, you know, since the ancient Israelites wrote this stuff. Um, so while it would be better, um, I don't necessarily agree with it.
2: You got it. And I just remembered, folks, our guests are linked in the description. So if you want to hear more from our guests, we've got more questions, but I do want to let you know while you're here, our guests are linked in the description in case you want to hear more. We really do appreciate them. And always want to remind you in the old live chat or comments after, want you to attack the arguments instead of the person, as we really do appreciate our guests. And Avery Stevens says, Under the conditions of the Bible, would you own a slave converse contender? And no. how many would you own?
3: Okay. Yeah, sure. I would I would never I would never own a slave. Of course not would you um, be a slave under the rules in the bible uh, no of course not um i would never want to be Why? a slave nobody should ever want to be a slave like so if you ask somebody yeah, i've heard you ask this question a lot of people and it's like like if you ask somebody like would you be a slave under blah blah conditions it's like of course not who would want to be a slave like it's always talked about as such a lowly bad thing right it's the bottom of society in every case and so whenever it says somebody sells themselves into slavery like there are specific verses that say if your brother becomes poor enough to sell himself into slavery, you shall not treat him like this or that, blah, 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 and so forth. Nobody would want to be a slave. But if, let's say, I was in the Roman Empire or in the ancient Near East, and I was, you know, let's say a, um, uh, a, an equivalent of a felon at that point, right? And I was, you know, escaped from my country, and I want to sell myself to a country that I believe has a powerful god or something like that, you know, for example. Well, if it's a a household that I think will allow for mobility and stuff like that, at that time, I mean, that's just a wholly different context. It's not even close to be like, would you be the slave under those conditions? Of course not.
2: You got it, this one coming in from, do appreciate it. By the way, folks, we have so many questions already that I've got to let you know if you're listening right now and you're hearing this, we cannot take any more new questions. We want to get our guests out of here on time. But this one coming in from Chris Gammon says, both, what do you think was the very first ever justification for owning another human as property? What do you think is the root of slavery? Thanks.
3: Great. Well, there. I mean, there's obviously a couple of different questions in that. It seems like. I mean, <clears throat> when I was reading the descent of man the other day, I found it interesting that you know um, Darwin said something like, um, although there were you know uh, good things that um, slavery you know had in the that provided in the ancient world, it is a barbaric blah blah institution, whatever. And I and I come to kind of disagree with him even on that little. Menial thing. It's like, well, did it even have like uh, an institution for, you know, that could even allow for anything good to come out of it? I mean, somebody could maybe make a, an argument that, oh, well, ants enslave, you know, aphids or whatever. So it's natural and blah, up. Blah, blah. But that's still a lame argument because it's a naturalistic fallacy. It's still not moral.
1: I, to, to answer that, I, I hate to put on my apologist hat, but many apologists, not you, have suggested that slavery was a good thing because. Um, these heathen from the areas around you, where were, slavery is what allowed them to be introduced to the one true God and therefore permitted them the possibility of salvation. Yeah,
3: sure. That's um, uh, Luis de Molina argued against that. He was one of the earliest of his time to argue against that, where he said that that's a, that's a bad argument because all you're doing is trying to justify why you're enslaving somebody and is their conversion really legitimate, right? God goes to people where they are and sees if they'll accept. Rahab, for example, was a Canaanite prostitute, and she was justified by her faith and uh, how she responded to God,
4: for example.
2: This one coming in from Lorenzo Borelli says, Mark twelve thirty one quote, And the second is like similar, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than this. I'm not sure what they were getting at there, if either of you that's definitely what mark
1: 12 31 says
3: yeah i mean i if if all they're saying is like well look the bible you know christ is you know saying like think about the splendor of the lilies of the field and or, uh, think about how they're dressed and and so forth and you know treat your neighbors yourself and all these things where he's you know basically making like out like but you know you just have to understand the context of the new testament is even different from the ancient areas, even though there's overlap but God. the Second Temple period guys were um, talking about war against Rome, like the Maccabees and so forth. And Jesus was kind of responding
0: like, "No, we don't need
4: to be warring." So for, go ahead. <laughs> I'm so,
2: so sorry, Converse. It sounds if you're able to just move slightly closer to the to the mic. Is is the only reason I'm giggling is nothing personal. It's just because it someone is saying it sounds like ASMR. Uh, is that the abbreviation? But anyway, this one coming in from Anomad says, "CC, if you were a new leader of a society that allowed slavery, would you abolish slavery or create rules to regulate it? Please explain your answer."
3: Yeah, so I would. Um, I would try to abolish it by regulation. So, for example, I remember I used to talk to a Muslim gen- Muslim gentleman um, before I was um, back a Christian, and I um, he used to tell me about how Muhammad when he first went to. Med- Dina or Mecca, I can't remember which one. He the pagans um, instead of making them stop um, drinking alcohol, like cold turkey, like you're done. He used over he gave uh, he used it over a generation or something like that, right, for them to um, wean them off of it. So that's the same principle about the milk is to wean children off the milk until they can have solid foods. For example, that's the argument I gave earlier about the um, <clears throat> about the uh, drug addict and allowing for methadone, even if you think drug use is wrong, because it gets them, it's an improvement, basically. Sorry, go ahead.
2: I have a, I'm having a mental error. I I did read the one, did I just read this one on, if you were a new leader of a society... That allowed slavery? Oh, okay. Sorry about that. I'm bouncing back between the chat. Nadir Ahmed in the chat, by the way, says, Matt Dillahunty, would you accept... I hate putting you on the spot, Matt, but nobody loves a call out more than me. He says, would you accept a debate with me on the Islamic debate topic, quote, is the Quran scientifically wrong? Well, we don't have to put you on the spot, but I will say that sounds interesting, so... Anyway, Will Terman says, why did God allow the Bible to be so convoluted, Converse?
3: Yeah, I mean, so that's kind of why I gave that whole thing from the beginning. which, And that's why I said, look, this might sound like bloviation, right? Like, and just irrelevant. But the reason is because people, God ordered the world, and he saw that it was good, right? Then he completed it with mankind, right? When man fell, um, the things that weren't allowed for previously now we're starting to be allowed for because of their condition. So for example, um, me eating meat was allowed for, for example, right? Um, The king was eventually allowed for. Uh, Christine Hayes has a, a lecture series where she does this, where she goes through all of the, it's not the Yale lecture series, it's a different, where she goes through all these different things that is said that like, oh, you don't need a king. You don't, this isn't something that you need. This isn't good, whatever. And it is eventually allowed for um, just to come back and say like they don't need a king or whatever.
2: Right? This, so. You got it. Then this one, Nadira Met as well. Says atheists have let's see, <laughs> okay, just smack talk. Radcrab says, contender, does it by chance feel awkward trying to rationalize the endorsement of slavery while being white?
3: No, because I would never I would never try and rationalize the endorsement of slavery. Like that's I don't that's not what I'm doing. In fact, I'm saying that the people who um, – the people who were you know, back in those times were so barbaric, right, um, that like Christ said, because of the hardness of their hearts, they had certain laws given to them um, just to – just because of how barbaric they were, for example. And so I would never try to rationalize slavery or something like that. You got it. And then being white, one more thing about that is being white has nothing to do with it, right? Like, So, for example, Frederick Douglass talked about Christians who were fake for um, – for endorsing uh, slavery. And then the other thing is like, that's the genetic fallacy, right? To say like, um, oh, well, why should a man get to speak about abortion or why should white people get to speak about slavery or why should, you know, it's like turning it around to say, oh, should black people not be able to speak on white issues? Of course not. It's just a
1: genetic fallacy. This one coming in for the next here. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, and, and to be credited, Converse did say that he would try to eliminate slavery by time limiting it, which is more than what the Bible did, not quite as much as I would do. So cool.
2: this one coming in from Nadir, Oh, we got that one, John, this one for, your, for you, Matt, I think this must be, they don't say it, but they say Exodus twenty-one 16. I'm guessing they just want your opinion on it. They say, quote, whoever steals a man and sells him anyone, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death.
1: Yeah, that's about stealing a man. It's not about slavery. The, the, you could be stealing a slave. You could be stealing a free person and then trying to sell them into slavery. That's about trafficking in humans illegally. There it's, this is outside the law. You can traffic in humans legally because it says you shall buy your slaves from the heathen that surround you. It Even talks about prices for some of them. Um, so that passage in, in 2116 um, is about man stealing. And even in antebellum South slavery, man stealing was still illegal. You couldn't go steal somebody else's slaves you got it. Adam. It's not Thank a you. verse against slavery.
2: This one coming in from, appreciate your question, Karag Nightwolf says, does the Bible promote slavery? The Christian says no, yet Ephesians six five says, slaves obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Converse. Okay.
3: Sorry. Ephesians 6.5, right? That verse is used throughout multiple letters in the um New Testament. It's used by Paul um, multiple times. It's also used by, if I want to say, Peter. Um, as pointed out by, I, told you, I said this earlier, like about Tom Holland did a, a talk about this where he talks about the treatment and the time period. Um, so a servant that, you know, was having something really bad done to them, for example, right, but they weren't able to free themselves, right, because they owed, like, they might have been a criminal that owed on a debt, or they might have been whatever the case, right? And so, uh, when Paul says, "Free yourself if you can, but if not, you know, it, obey your your masters," or whatever, he's saying that, like, look, this isn't going to reflect on you morally. This isn't something that's going to, you know, you're actually pr- like trying to do this act or whatever. But you know, if I'm if I'm you know if he's wrong about that, you know, feel free to uh, let me know.
2: You got it, Dan. Thank you very much for this question. Dan Shire says, So God rained fire and brimstone because people sinned and wiped out humans in a flood, but he needs to, quote-unquote, ease us out of slavery to avoid chaos.
3: Yeah, so, for example, with um, the verse given about Sodom and Gomorrah, I believe that's Genesis chapter 19, uh, Abraham specifically argues with him, like, hey, if there are righteous people there, are you going to destroy the city? And he argues in down to ten people. Are there righteous people there? Are you going to destroy the city? And God says, no, for the sake of the righteous people, I will not destroy the city. And then he destroys it. So if you're going to say that, like, um, so, like, the the if you're God and you're using people to bring about the seed or the Savior, right, then, uh, okay, well, let's just destroy them. Well, no, right, because the goal is to get to the seed, but in the meantime, as Paul says, because of transgressions, add a regulation or a law um, to the, to limit their sin.
2: Gotcha. I, I am still seeing people in the chat saying it's hard to hear you, if you're able to just move closer to the mic further yet. Sorry, I'm not sure. This one, really <clears throat> close. And uh, John Yen says, in a fallen world, there is slavery, so God regulates it but there's also murder, theft, and covening, yet those are just straight-up prohibited instead of being regulated. Why?
3: Well, uh, well, when it says the, the covetedness, right, for example, list the servants with it. It says don't covet the, the servants of your neighbors. Right? You know, so um, that's in with that one, for example. Um, the, what was the other part? I'm sorry.
2: They had said, given that there's... Theft and, and murder and all these things, those are straight up prohibited. And so, why is it that slavery isn't also straight up prohibited rather than
3: regulated? Yeah. So, uh, for example, um, Abraham was allowed to, he, he lied um, he, uh, to, about his wife. Um, uh, other, there, I mean, there are many things that were allowed for. Um, Jacob was obviously not a great person. Um, he done many things, like sold uh, the the birthright or the inheritance right from his uh, older brother, for example, and so forth. Like, God did allow for all these things in their time, right? But, uh, but yeah, by the time they come out of Egypt and uh, they had been under the Egyptians for 400-something years or whatever, right? That's like if we were under American capitalism for, uh, what, not even 300 years. But if you were to try and come in now and regulate capitalism – by saying, stop it today, like you can't just do that because the whole economy would just collapse and people would... I mean, it would be terrible. So you have coming to in. regulate it.
2: Cassian says, Converse, how is quoting the actual book that you're supposed to be debating about rhetoric? I'm really confused with your argument here. Matt, let's see. They said, I'm a huge fan and... Let's see. Well, that's for keeping, helpful. They said, thanks for keeping it on topic. But Converse will give you a chance to re- respond on how is quoting the actual book you're supposed to be debating rhetoric?
3: Yeah, good good question. Um, so I hear, uh, so people will quote Abraham Lincoln saying something like, uh, well, if slavery's not immoral, I don't know what it is. Then they'll quote him by saying, oh, yeah, well, what about when he said, um, uh, if I could fr- free, uh, something like, if I could free the slaves and not outlaw slavery, I would do it or something like that, right? Well, say that, I, um, say that I'm, I, I hate drugs, right? But I'm a libertarian. And say that I were to say in one of my writings, um, if I could get people to stop doing drugs, but m- allow it to be legal still so that people have the freedom to do it or not, you know, um, and then they say, oh, so you're for drug use. Well, no, obviously the, it's the, um, that's why I gave the meta-narrative because it's not the verse itself. It's not that Abraham Lincoln said that, oh, if I could outlaw slavery without, uh, without outlawing, if I could, you know, get people to stop doing it or whatever. Oh, so he's he likes the institution of slavery. People use that argument. Well, of course not, right? It's just, you know, people... That, so, yeah, I mean, I think it, it works in the same way with with this argument.
2: You got it. This one coming in from Dylan Prosser says, for CC, do you believe that God is om- omni-everything and that the Bible is inerrant? And thanks so much, Matt, for doing this debate.
3: Yeah, so... um. I'm a Molinist, right? So I think that God takes uh, less than perfect people, and He has a plan to bring about the Messiah, for example. So He knew that that the that, that the Messiah would come about under these certain you know situations or whatever, right? And so, yeah,
2: you got it. Thanks so much. This one comes from okay. D. Mac. This is a new one. Can you read Revelation eighteen thirteen? And explain, please. So, Revelation 18.13, technically the verse itself, so I have to look up the the verse right before it. But it says, cinnamon, spice, and so on, as well as chariots and slaves, that is, human souls. And let me kind of bounce back to the the verse right before it.
3: What was it? 18
2: what? 18.13. I'll give you a chance to, when I pulled it up, it actually... It locked me into that specific verse, but I think they want the context of it read too. This one coming in from, I'll, I'll give you a chance to look it up, but I do want to read the next question just so we keep moving because we've got a lot. This one coming in from D-Max says, <clears throat> well, actually let me give you a chance to actually find that. Let's see if we have one from Matt.
1: Will Stewart, By the way, we can skip past 1813 because the, the word translated to slave there is, is actually soma, which is just about a body or a soul. It, it, it means it would be like a person
2: gotcha. So, Thanks for that. And then Will also has a question for you said, "Matt, do the commandments of thou shalt not kill nor steal nor covet not entail the moral issues for slavery?"
1: Nope, they don't. And I address this and I'll do it really quickly and that is specific rules override general rules. Because thou shalt not kill doesn't in any way prohibit the Bible from commanding you to kill over and over and over and over and over again as punishment and penalties. Go, therefore, and slaughter these people. Go, therefore, and slaughter these people. If you have an unruly child, take him before the the judges and, you know, then kill him, stone him to death. Um, A general rule, thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not murder, which murder is only a legal transgression, um, can be overrided by a specific rule. So thou shalt not I'm not sure which of the Ten Commandments, which would even loosely be interpreted as uh, being in opposition to slavery, um, but it's not a specific prohibition against slavery. You got yeah.
2: it. This one coming in from Thatalean Guy. Let me know if I've pronounced it right. Thanks for your question. It says, throughout the Bible, God has no problem telling people what he thinks is evil. Such as other religions or people having sexual relations with their own sex, and why isn't slavery on the list? Converse.
3: Yeah, well, along with uh, those same people in Timothy, it does list uh, slave traders. Now, one thing I want to say though is this: is that you could you could convince me that the Bible promotes uh, slavery, and I'm going to tell you how. Right, I'm gonna just go ahead and give you the standard. You have to have a solid hermeneutic, though, throughout Scripture. So when you come up to things like Paul saying, like, hey, look, if you can free yourself, so forth, and, like, all these things, right, about the law being a burden and slavery and a yoke on your neck, and, you know, we're free from that. we got our freedom and in Christ, and he came to set us free from the law, all these things. It was added to the transgressions. When you read Christ and you say, <clears throat> when he says, you know, um something like, uh well, you were given, you know, the, the law about divorce because of the hardness of your heart, for example, so forth, um, all of these things. And then he talks about eye for an eye, tooth for tooth from the Old Testament and says, but I say this, um, if you can give me a hermeneutic where you can read, because this is an internal critique of the Bible. So if you can give me a hermeneutic where you can read everything all the way through and read all those verses and then say, yeah, but it still says this in Leviticus, like I need to know how to, you know, internally view all of those other verses.
2: You got it. And this one coming in from J.T. Alastair says, In Deuteronomy 20, 10 through 18, God commands the Israelites to enslave the people of faraway cities. He doesn't just allow it, he commands it. Now what, converse contender?
3: Sorry, can you give me the verse again?
2: They said in Deuteronomy 20, 10 through 18. While you look it up, I do Mm -hmm. want to remind you our guests are linked in the description, folks, and that includes at the podcast. If you didn't know, we do have a podcast and you can find our guest links in the description box for each podcast debate episode as well. So we highly encourage you, if you're listening via podcast right now, you can find Matt or Converse's links down in the description when you're listening via podcast as well. Go ahead, Converse. Okay,
3: so uh, this says that, well, can you read that one time? Because I wanted to hear specifically how how he said the first part of it.
2: They said in Deuteronomy 20, 10 through 18, God commands the Israelites to enslave the people of far away cities. He doesn't just allow it, he commands it.
3: Okay, he doesn't just allow it, he commands it, right? All right, so it says, for example, sorry, there's my front door, nope. It says in verse 10, when you draw near to a city uh, to fight against it, offer terms of peace to it. And if it responds to you peaceably... And it opens up to you, then all the people who are found in there shall do their be your laborers for you and shall serve you. But if it makes no peace with you, wage war against them and you shall besiege it. And so uh if if you're just saying that, like, oh, he commands that you, you know, you have to uh that you know, this is you have to do slay, uh uh have them as your slaves or whatever, right? This is the same thing that happened in every case of war, um, even up until modern times, right? Um after World War One, um, uh, Germany owed a million or a billion dollars to Europe and had to work to pay off that debt. Um, same thing after all the wars, right? You, when you war, you have to expend. If you just look up the amount of horses and the amount that they take to eat per day by the ton, and all the other things, to go up against somebody in war is not is a co- not a cost efficient thing. So. Um, whoever you're, fighting, you're battling against, or whatever, is going to, um, yeah, so that's the same thing that happened with Germany and other
1: countries, of course. So strange. I mean, I haven't had a question in a bit, but you said that you give us a standard for proving it, and you wanted a solid hermeneutic that would allow you to read through the whole Bible, and then go back and say, but it still says this in Leviticus. Um, I think I, I could give that easily, where not a jot or tittle of the law will change, where Jesus is the primary and not Paul. Let God be true and every man a liar. Every bit of scripture is useful for instruction. But somebody just pointed out, and I I skipped past Deuteronomy 20 because I I didn't even view that as as a direct command to enslave. And so here's a passage where the Bible actively promotes in the sense of instructing someone to enslave somebody else. And your response isn't, well... Clearly the Bible promotes slavery. Your response is, ah, this is what happened in every war. After all, we need to feed our horses. Wars are expensive. All of that is irrelevant. All of those are red herrings to whether or not the Bible promotes slavery in those passages.
3: Yeah. So, um, all right. So number one is I don't know what that had to do with the hermeneutical principle to, you know, go all throughout scripture. Right. But, but the second thing is that it's, you know, if you're warring with a city, if you're just going to say that, like, um, when Moses tells them here that um, to offer peace terms, and if it opens up to you, you know, then they are allowed to be your your laborers, then um, and they'll sh- they shall serve you. Um, but if it makes no peace with you, then war against them. Then are you just saying that, like, uh, oh well, you know, we shouldn't have done this in modern times, and we shouldn't have? No, like, I'm saying the Bible promotes
1: and, slavery. That is a passage that promotes slavery, and you, rather than acknowledging it promotes slavery, you're just like, well, this is what happened in war. Nobody cares if it's what happens in war. Nobody cares why it happened. No, It's irrelevant why it happened. It's irrelevant if it happened all the time. The subject of this debate is does the Bible promote slavery, and you oh, just gotcha. read verses that expressly promote slavery, and you waved it away with another red herring. Yeah,
3: yeah I see what you're saying, right. Um, yeah, so first of all, I don't see how this is a red herring, but second of all, um, when you have – well, what – it how is that a red herring? A red herring is when you
1: a red herring is when you cite something irrelevant to distract from the fact. The fact is that passage promotes slavery. I ask a question. That, that, the fact is I that said, where are you I, saying I'm telling you is? what a red herring is. Do you want know to know? what it is.
3: No, you don't. I'm telling you where you're wrong. I, I specifically okay. said, oh, are you saying well, this? this
2: a kind of, just, it, just and then to, you clarified. Just to be sure we get to hear from
3: each of you. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I, I'm done. Okay, so whenever you said, uh, whenever I, all I did was ask you, oh, so are you saying that this in modern times, blah, 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 and you said no, if I ask you to clarify, that's not a red herring by definition.
1: You but said that what I say, you said, I don't understand how that's a red herring or what, or what a red herring is, and I went to explain it to you, and then you told me you know. Well, if somebody says, here's a verse that promotes slavery, and you say, yeah, but that's what happened in wartime, that's a red herring because your response is completely irrelevant to whether or not the Bible promotes slavery, which was the point of the argument. Your response no. is about why it promotes slavery, which is an admission that it does No so the
3: when we say is Bible promote slavery we're, yeah when we say this, the Bible promotes slavery, we're not saying can you find a, a verse that says um, that you you know that this is something that you can do instead it's saying it's saying that does the Bible as a whole right does the Bible, uh promote slavery as something good to be practiced. When you say that, oh, it promotion
1: that's not the subject of the debate. That is the yeah, dishonest well, refrain Well,
3: let me finish. When you say promotion is just like, oh, it's just like, well, you know, allowing for it to happen or whatever. No, promotion is actively encouraging the thing to be a, as good. You don't promote something that's 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 wrong. That's not true. <laughs>
2: This one coming in from, we only have two more questions. Wizard of Frabaz says tacit consent is kind of equal to endorsing converse. What are your thoughts?
3: Sorry, what was it equal?
2: They said it's equal to endorsing or, well, technically that's exactly sharing it verbatim. That's what they said is endorsing.
3: What? I'm sorry. I didn't get the first part. What is equal to endorsing?
2: Tacit consent is equal to endorsing. They're
3: saying. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not arguing against that. Right. Um, I talk, when I talked to Josh the other day, his book says, did the Bible endorse slavery? And we went through it and we talked about it at all the passages and things. Um, I said, by endorsement, you mean something like it allows for it. I've already stated that. I think that it allows for the institution, but it, it regulates it in a way to say, hey, look, this and usury. Those um, it says you shall not, you know, do this, blah, blah blah I'm the Lord your God, and it tries to regulate moral things, right? When the ancient Near Eastern laws were not treated as if they were like, um, you know, the way that people treat them today. And Christine Hayes and others have pointed this out, but yeah, I just don't think uh, endorsement. That's not what I'm arguing. The the topic of the debate is: Does the Bible actually
1: promote it? Yeah, does the Bible promote slavery? Not does the Bible promote slavery as something good. I'm promoting you and this channel by agreeing to come here and do this debate. That does not mean that I'm saying you are good or the channel is good. But I definitely promoted it by saying, yes, I will agree to allow this under certain conditions. That is a valid use of the term promote. And for you to suggest that you are only uh, modeling one particular version of promote with a couple of extra words on it, is a dishonest treatment of this entire subject. No, so let
3: me, since the question's yes. for me, let me end on this. All right, um, number one is whenever you you say that, oh, say, whenever I come on here, I'm promoting it. If I go on to somebody's show that I don't like and I don't want them to have more views, for example, but I go on just to show them the wrong, for example, I'm not promoting their show. Uh, the promotion, I got two definitions here. It's one says activity that supports performance provides active encouragement for the furtherance of a cause or venture. And then second, the public, uh, uh, publicization of a product organization or venture, uh, so as to increase its sales or public awareness. So, yeah. Which
1: is exactly what you do when you go on a channel, you are furthering their channel because if you say no, and everybody else says no, their content dries up. Promotion does not require what you so, think it requires. So. And this is a dodge.
3: Yeah, that just sounds like a semantic dispute about
1: uh, the uh, secondary yeah. usage of uh, – It's funny action. that you want to make it a semantic thing because literally the overwhelming majority of people who will ever watch this debate will understand that you are the one who are trying to, through a semantic technicality, claim victory uh, while denying what the you Bible flatly says about slavery.
3: You can't win a debate. I don't believe in that. Well, oh, I'm not too keen second, on, like, on
1: the notion of winning a debate either, this just but proves I think you it. can absolutely throw one away. Uh, this just proves it. Is um,
3: if if a capitalist, you know, works in an, uh, if a communist works in a capitalist society, and I say you're promoting capitalism, they're just going to look at me and say, "Why are you using promotion in that way?" Because, because it's, because it's just, true. It's just. A, I mean, it's just. A, it's true. You know,
2: this it's one coming the, in from last question. Altavero one. Thank you very much. Says what biblical instruction is direct abolitionist. But Converse, I'm not sure if you take that position. We'll give you a chance to respond. Sorry, in. I didn't.
3: Can you repeat it? Uh,
2: they said, What biblical instruction or verse is directly abolitionist?
3: Directly abolitionist? Um, well, for example, the letter uh, of Philemon, uh, take uh, Onesimus back, uh, no longer as a slave, but as a brother. Um, Paul writes, um, he starts off by telling uh you know uh Philemon, you know, that hey, look, I know you're a good guy and all, but accordingly though, I am bold enough to command you in Christ to do what is required. Um, but I'm gonna tell you as a Paul, as an old man that's now a prisoner, and I appeal to you for my child and for the uh whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly was useless to you, but now I'll send you back it's used to both of us, and so forth. And he even says, like, look, I'm gonna send it to you. Um, I don't want you to make this decision because I'm making you. I want you to make a decision on your own, and I know you'll do that and more.
1: Yeah, and as I noted in my opening, that's Paul asking for the release of a friend that has nothing to do with the abolition of slavery, not remotely in the slightest. Let's not pretend like it's the beginning of the Underground Railroad. Literally, that was in my opening.
3: Yeah, I think that's dishonest. I'll tell you why. <laughs> this is Well, let me just tell you why. This I'm listening. A, I can't help okay. if I
1: laugh at things that are ridiculous.
3: That's fine. Why don't you listen to the rationale first? The rationale is Paul met him in prison. He's not Paul's friend that he's been hanging out with for years. He met him in prison, and he found out that he's Onesimus' slave. Oh, I know Onesimus. He's a friend of mine. I'll write him a letter and tell him to take you back no longer as a slave since now you're a brother in Christ. So that's just—I don't.
1: What? What? That has nothing to do with the abolition of this institution of slavery. It's still about an acquaintance of Paul's, an individual, and not an institution. And yet, you want to call me dishonest? Okay.
3: Well, you specifically said this is one of his friends, and now you say an
1: acquaintance. So you don't—you don't think they were friends after being in prison? You don't I mean? think that you, you don't think that after being in prison and saying I would like you to treat I would like my other friend to treat this person as a brethren and not as slave. You don't think that's a thing a friend would do? I mean, I talk mean, about picking nits. J- oh, j- yeah. In order to just win a point, you're going to suggest that Paul wasn't friends with
3: them. Whatever, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm the one grasping at straws here. When yes. I didn't, yeah, you're the one that said that this guy that Paul met in prison, uh, well, they were friends. It's like, well.
1: I'm pretty sure that if you advocate for the release of someone, if I tell one of my friends, hey, let this other guy stop being a slave, that counts as an act of a friend. But if you want to keep picking nits about the definition of promote and whether or not somebody was a friend, I will let you continue to embarrass yourself. I'll let
3: the audience judge.
1: (laughs) Me too. We will also
2: say, audience, my dear friends, whether you be atheist, Christian, agnostic, you name it, we are glad you are here. We hope you feel welcome, and our guests are linked in the description. We really do appreciate them, so I want to say a huge thank you. Once again, Matt and Converse, it has been a true pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for hanging out with us tonight. It's been a blast. Thanks much. Thanks for having me. I'll be back in just a moment with a post-credit scene to let you know about upcoming debate, folks, so stick around. And thanks again to our guests. It's been a great one. My dear friends, look at my face. Do you see how happy I am? Well, I want to say it has been a lively one. It has been a fun one. We love that, you know, these guys are passionate. Don't worry, I'm going to shrink this. You don't want to see this this close-up of my mug. But I do want to say we do appreciate our guests so much that it absolutely was lively and that's what we appreciate is that these are passionate guys. And so, we I uh, I really do want to say thanks again to Matt and to Converse and You guys, I am just thrilled. It's honestly been such a fun time doing this channel and we are just getting started. In terms of Modern day Debate, we have a lot of big plans, my friends, in particular. Let me tell you about a couple of them right now. One is we are excited to host more Muslim versus Atheist debates. A lot of people have let us know, in addition to don't get me wrong christian versus atheist is fun but a lot of people have been telling me hey we really do enjoy the muslim versus atheist debates and so that's something we really do want to have more of that feedback helps us a lot and want to say we are glad you are here no matter what walk of life you're from whether you be atheist whether you be muslim whether you be christian Thank you so much for hanging out with us and thank you for giving us the opportunity to try to serve you through this neutral platform as it is our goal to have a platform that is fair to everybody and that my dear friends, no matter what walk of life you are from, or whether you be Christian, atheist, black, white, gay, straight, trans, you name it, my dear friends. Politically, you might be conservative, you might be liberal, you might be a a Biden backer, a Trump supporter, whatever it is. We are glad you are here. And we really are serious about this idea of having a true eclectic mix of people and want to say it varies. That well, first let me before I go on and on, I want to say, first, let me say hi to you in the chat. I do love getting to say hi to you personally in the live chat as I see your names pop up as you're chatting. So thanks for saying hi and being involved in the live chat. Wizard of Frabos, good to see you, as well as Mac D and Augurer, as well as Sadie Marie Jones and Ender Wigan, also Christian Pride. Glad you were here, as well as White Girl with Instagram black screen. I don't know what that means, but we're glad you're here, as well as Ball Diablo and Search for Truth, and Ace A C C O is the CEO for Colorado. Did you know I live in Colorado? I always get excited when you have. Because I saw Colorado Biker was here earlier. He, I, I actually got to meet him in person, which is fun. And so I, I do love getting to meet people that we get to see in the live chat and then getting to meet in real person. And I have to tell you, we are excited about a huge conference. We are, we're, the pieces are moving in place. You know, it's technically still brainstorming, but we are very serious about it. A huge in-person debate conference in January. We are brainstorming on how we can do this where we would do it, what debates we would have, which guess it is going to be huge though. And so I hopefully maybe I'll get to meet you there as well if, if you, a lot of uh viewers, for example, Chris Gammon and others are actually living in Texas and so we probably'll do it in Texas. It's still like I said being decided, but want to say hello Benjamin Springer as well as what is truth. Thanks for coming by as well as Amanda Glad you are here. Thanks for your support. Seriously, it means a lot, Amanda, and thanks, Brooke Sparrow, as well as the other mods. Hannah, we do appreciate all of you, and so thanks for being here, as well as Pyro Adam Bomb. thanks for coming by. We are glad you're with us, as well as Daryl Frost, and Oliver Catwell, good to see you again, says there always seems to be some tense passion when Matt is debating, but always enjoyable. I enjoyed it as well, and that's true. Matt is a passionate guy, and... I know that Converse sounded <laughs> like he didn't sound passionate because I I, but I don't know. He didn't tell me, but I'm guessing there was maybe somebody like in the next room above him or next door that was trying to sleep or something. I don't know. I know that he's in a time zone east of me. So it's later. It's 9 p.m. for me in mountain time. For Matt, it's 10, if I remember right. Yeah, that's right. And then Converse, I think, is Eastern. So it might have been 11 p.m. by the end of this. So, but yes, we do appreciate both of our guests passion even though like i said it seems like maybe you're like is is he passionate it's like an asmr session why is by the way why do people get a a rise out of the idea of asmr is asmr just where you like whisper and you talk to people and you just like hey everybody i'm really glad you're here that or is there some sort of like weird sexual thing about it i didn't i don't know if there is i don't i don't suggest there is but for some reason when you bring up ASMR, people, it, like, gets a rise out of people. David Friskin, and that was not, okay. David Friskin, glad to see you, as well as Milk Bone, thanks for coming by, as well as Filipino Skeptic and Matt C., thanks for coming by. And Louis Giles, thanks for coming by. I see you there in the old chat saying hello, as well as, hold on, whoa, the chat's moving fast, it says, uh, let's see, didn't I see, oh, that said, let's see, Great show. I I completely agree. And all credit to the guests. We do appreciate them. As well as Fox Populi says, smash that like button, everybody. And I couldn't agree more. Do smash the like button. And I also have to tell you about this. You might be listening right now and you're like, you know what? I like this debate. I didn't get to catch all of it. James, is there a way that I can hear all of it? And you know, you might be thinking, if you're like me, I only have limited data. So when I'm like driving around, for example, I actually don't use too much data. I try not to. The reason being is, if I can download something, I'll just listen to it that way, and that way I'm not using my data because I think it's like I got three gigs a month, four. I can't remember. I think it's three. But long story short, you might be wondering, can I listen to this another way? Well, here's one you can: is we have our podcast and I'm putting it in the live chat. So that way right now you can click on it. I'm pinning it to the top of the chat and we always put our debates, including this one on the podcast within 24 hours of the show. So that's really important is you might be thinking like, Hey, it'd be kind of cool to listen to this. And uh, I only caught the last half. How can I listen to it? And like, well, You know, tomorrow morning, we'll already have it on there before noon. That's for sure my goal. And that way, you could listen to it
0: that way. Hey.
2: I muted myself. Very embarrassing. Is that we are encouraged, though, that so many people have said, hey, I listen to the podcast while I'm cleaning, while I'm working out, while I'm all sorts of things. Bob, when he goes to the beach, Sideshow, he, he tells me he's, he actually sometimes listens to it while he's on the beach. Lucky son of a gun, lives in Florida, gets to go to the beach and listen to Modern Native 8. Now, that's that's tremendous. Good for him and because I, I love listening to my favorite podcast. And I can't complain. I like where I live. But Florida has always kind of been maybe my my ideal spot, but that's my bias. But Bubblegum Gun, good to see you as well as Get Real and Ken B. Glad you're back. And Ethan Steinberg, thanks for coming by as well as Hi Inquisitor, good to see you there. Shaggy Rogers, glad you were with us as well as L Alcidir, thanks for coming by. And David Slots, we are glad you're here. Says, do you ever do any live debates in Colorado? I live in Denver. Oh, small world, David. We do plan on, my hope is to host one at Colorado State next spring. No joke. So right here in Fort Collins. And that would be a lot of fun. Where It's still like there's a lot of planning that would have to be done. I would guess it would maybe be in March if we do it. That would be a blast. And so keep, you know, you know, keep an eye out in case it happens because I, it's still something that's like I've reached out to a group. To say, hey, do you wanna like collaborate and to make this happen? And they have said yes, but now we've got, there's so many details to work out. But so thanks for letting me know that. Glad you're in Denver. Beautiful. And John Yen, good to see you as well. And Dharma Defender, we're glad you were here as well as Corey Springer. Thanks for coming by. And let's see, Corey, there's Corey Springer and Benjamin Springer. Are you guys related? Corey and Benjamin, are you guys brothers in the live chat? But let's see. Ender Wigan, glad you're here, as well as Doubting Thomas. And Chris Gammon says, thanks, James. Thanks, Mods. Thanks, both debaters. Debate was mega dank. It certainly was mega dank. It was juicy. It was fun. And Lorraine Drosophila, Drosophila, let me know if I pronounce this right. We are glad you were here, Lorraine. Thanks for coming by. As well as Adam Elbilia, good to see you again. It's like, yeah, it's like, Mac D, thanks for your kind words. That's super encouraging. I just saw that in the chat. Thanks for your, that means a lot. And here we are. Thanks for coming by, as well as what is truth. See, so has says hello, modern day debate. Hope your day is going well. Thanks for that, and yeah, we are excited though. The, the links, as I mentioned, for the podcast. My friends, you might and you're like, well, I don't want to click on the links. Well, then maybe you want to do it this way. You could consider pull out. I, I just this way it's convenient, and this way, if you are like, I kind of want to listen to modern day debate podcast, but do I want to look it up? And like, do I want to take the trouble to find it? If you're like me, I like breaking things in pieces. You know, I I like to make it easy on myself. So so what you could do is right now open up your favorite podcast app. I just opened up my favorite podcast app, which is Podcast Addict. And now you can see it looked right there in the middle. The middle logo on my phone, that is the modern day debate logo. You can click on that bad boy and then there it is. Now you can see, oh my goodness, all these debates waiting for you right there so go ahead and pull it out right now is I'm, I'm telling you guys i'm excited that people have found it useful and that we've gotten positive feedback. it's so encouraging and so thanks for that positivity thanks for that encouragement and then counterintuitive good to see you as well as max saint arlen glad you are with us as well as matt c and the freak as well as jesse chappell is it jesse chappell or it's jesse chappell let me know Pepper Talks, I see you there in the live chat, good to see you, and hey, the Twitch chat, pardon my delay, Brooke Sparrow, good to see you, as well as Surgeon General 777, and Nicholas Kato Strode, thanks for coming by, thanks for that heads up about it being muted too, Brooke, Surgeon General, good to see you, and Brooke Sparrow, I am excited though, you guys, it, it is encouraging, and we gotta give you all the credit, you guys make this channel fun, really you really do. You make it fun. You guys have been such a, a supportive community. As we are pumped that within three years it's been fun to grow to fifty-five thousand, and within the next couple of days fifty-six thousand. And we are determined. We're on a march by the end of this year to get beyond sixty thousand subscribers, and then by the end of twenty twenty-two to get beyond 100,000 subscribers. We are absolutely determined. We are absolutely optimistic, enthusiastic about pursuing the vision of providing a level playing field so that everybody has their chance to make their case on a neutral platform. That is our goal. And our goal is also to be YouTube's kind of most respected neutral platform that people say, hey, that that platform will give you a fair shake no matter what your position someday we want it to be the case that maybe Mr. Beast and PewDiePie are debating on Twitter and they say, you know what, let's take this to video. Is there someone who would be a third party who could moderate for us, who's known for being fair? Our goal is that people would know us so well in the YouTube world that they would respond in tweets with our handle over and over and over saying, hey, Modern Day Debate is a fair channel. They'll give you a fair shake. We will get there. It's not just an idea, that is the vision we're pursuing, and we're going to get there. And we want to say thank you for making that possible, thank the debaters for making that possible. We're determined, and we have these values, common shared values, that no matter what walk of life we are from, Christian, atheist, Muslim, you name it, everybody wants the deep questions of life discussed on a level playing field. They want it to be fair. And so that is absolutely important to us. That's one of our core values that we stick to and we always will stick to. And that's why we have said we will never put out a video, for example, that says like, oh, man, look at how this person just had such terrible arguments or, oh, wow, this person was such a jerk or, you know, that's not our style. Our style is we always want to be neutral, objective. And I'll be honest, we're not perfect. We are. Sometimes we do have a bias. That's true. But the fact that we're willing to admit it and be open to saying, Hey, hold us accountable. Call it out. If you say, if you think that we're looking like we're, we're trying to show favorites, call us out. Because that is a good thing that helps us to actually stick to that value, knowing that there's that accountability where we're gonna strive for objectivity, even though you know we are human and so it won't be perfect. In small ways, we might have biases. But like I said, we are happy to have people call us out and we want to acknowledge it because there's something that for me, I'm just like, I'm not going to sit up here and be like, oh, no, no, no. Like we're fully neutral. We, we never show a bias. Like, no, we, we probably do. Maybe subconsciously or something, kind of you have a preference or something. So that's something that we want to eliminate. And the only way you can eliminate it is if you first admit it's there, Right. Because if you don't think it's there, you're not going to try to eliminate it because you don't think it exists. And so that for us is important. Another value, we want everybody to feel welcome. We really do. And we hope your day is made better by this channel. We really do mean that. Is that we have these shared beliefs, these shared morals in the sense that, like I said, we want everybody to be treated fairly and we really do want to be a community that supports people, that people would say, hey, I actually feel like there's an emotional connection here where actually people care about me. I remember this is back in January, and it still sticks with me, is that a woman had mentioned in a live chat after a debate, I think it would, maybe it was even after a debate where we had Matt on back in uh, January, where a woman had mentioned that that day her father had passed away, which is obviously heartbreaking for her i beyond heartbreaking and and for us it was it was so sad to hear because we thought oh my gosh that's got to be so hard and we wanted to support her and we tried to offer and I, but i was so glad that she felt comfortable and that she felt supported from from because people in the chat were responding with support to her they didn't know what her position was they didn't know if she was christian if she was atheist they but they were still nonetheless like hey i'm so sorry to hear that it was such a bad day that is like I mean, that's putting it lightly. We, we said, we, we're so sorry to hear about that and our hearts go out to you. And so that for us is we do want to appeal again. Like we, we have this shared value that we can appeal to, to each other and saying, hey, we really do want to care for people regardless of what walk of life they're from. We want to strive for something greater than just tolerating somebody. We might say, hey, tolerating somebody that's the first step and it's only the first step we really want to be kind to people who disagree with us and to say hey somebody disagrees with me it's not going to be it's certainly not the first time it won't be the last time it is going to be so common but nonetheless we're going to rise above it and say you know what we can nonetheless treat each other well and not hold a grudge over it, not think of each other as enemies. And I do want to encourage you to do that, my dear friends. And I know a lot of you already do a fantastic job of that. And a lot of you are like, well, you know, I'm working on it and great job on working on it. That's encouraging because we really do want to support you. And speaking of, you guys, you know, I've said this before, always want to encourage you any sort of Lack of forgiveness, any sort of resentment or anger that you have somebody towards somebody. Remember, it's not hurting them; it's only going to hurt you. Striving to let go of that, and it doesn't mean you have to forget it. But, and sometimes I've heard people say, "But if I, if I forgive them, I feel like I'm saying what they did was what they did was okay." Sometimes they they they're like that, you know. So I can't forgive them because I know it wasn't okay. And it's like, but but think about it; it really isn't that you're saying that what they did was okay. In fact, it, it obviously implies that what they did, that you recognize that it's wrong because you wouldn't say, I forgive you if someone didn't do wrong to you. So for example, if someone come up to you and they say, hello, uh, glad to meet you. And you said, Hey, hi, I, I, you know, I'm James and I forgive you. And they're like, what? I'm like, why would you forgive me? I haven't done anything wrong. So to forgive someone means automatically necessarily it means that you actually recognize what they did was wrong and so that's something that can you kind of remind yourself is that you're not saying it's okay but you are letting go of any sort of that resentment or anger and it's like i said you don't want to hold on to that don't let it eat you alive from the inside my friends but our vakar alisidier good to see you as well as frank Dorado, says hey all glad you made it frank we're glad you're here And then thanks for your super chat. Messing around says, James, you're an inspiration to act in good faith. Thanks for your kind words. Seriously, that's super encouraging. And I, so it means a lot. It means more than you know, really. So thank you. And I am excited. I'm encouraged. You guys help me to grow in so many ways. And I'm very serious about that in terms of kind of the philosophies that we get to encounter here or hear here. Too many hears. Is It's so helpful to me uh, to get to, you know, kind of rub elbows with people, all walks of life. And that's something we've said is like ideologically, as well as whether it be black, white, gay, straight, you name it. We're glad you're here. We really do want it to be based on paraphrasing in a very like non, in a very, like a very paraphrased way, because I, I can't remember the exact wording verbatim, but namely that we, Dr. Martin Luther King had said, looking at people based on their character, rather than things of like, are you, you know, oh, you're, like, you're a Christian, huh? you're an atheist, huh? Like, yeah, okay. Like, instead saying, hey, like, I, I know you are, but like, I want to give you a chance. And I've got to tell you, some of the friends, some of the better friends I've ever had have been people in my life who were different walks of life, you know, totally disagreed on all sorts of things. But nonetheless, they were some of my most loyal, helpful friends. And then Lenio Barcelos says, Modern debate is a great representation of the First Amendment being practiced. Thank you for that. Seriously, that's encouraging. And then Darth Revan says, "Start doing what moderators do and check all guests, to no matter who they are, when they break the rules you establish." I agree. And if there's anybody breaking the rules that we haven't held accountable in the chat, let me know. We do want to do that. And so, but thank you very much. Let's see. I'm trying to catch up with the chat. It's moving fast. Thanks for your support. Han, or Well, thanks brooke and hannah two in a row saying smash that like button and i would encourage you please do smash that like button is it does help the channel and so if you want to do a good deed today maybe you're thinking did i do a good deed today it's the end of the day and i'm wondering did i do one maybe you did well hey why not do another hey if you hit that like button it does help us as we pursue the vision that we had said of providing a neutral platform so that everybody can make their case on a level playing field discussing these deep questions of life and so, Justin A, good to see you as well as Sadie Marie. Thanks for your kind words and support. And amazing. Let's see here. High Inquisitor says, calling you out on flat earth debates. I mean, really juicy. And we do have some flat earth debates coming up. It never ends. And then Darth Revan says, you do need to work on your moderation skills. A moderator's job is to stop needless discussion or banter in the debate, which you do not, or which you do not do. You allow insults to fly unchecked. Yeah, I, you know, in some cases, I'm, I'm going to disagree on what a moderator's purpose is. And so it's same way that people often disagree on like the purpose of a YouTube channel itself. And so we are pretty hands off in terms of we don't want to restrict what the guest can say too much. Now you know that everybody has a degree of like where we would draw the line. In, set, in the sense that some people would say, you know, I'm going to draw the line if someone like, you know, says if they look at somebody funny. And they're like, okay, well, we're not obviously going to do that. I know that you're not advocating for that, but I'm saying there are, there are some people that are honestly borderline like that. And then there are some people that are like, we won't say anything no matter what. And I was like, well, we'll say something at some point, but our kind of boundary for when that is is maybe different. But I, I'm always open it. You can always let me know if you think that's going on. And then let's see. Lenio Bercelos says, Thanks for your kind words, Lenio. Your support means a lot. And then Stripper Liquors, right? If you did not like this debate, or if you're tired of me telling you to click the like button, hit the dislike button. It helps in the algorithm either way. Did you know that? Like, So Zach says, thank you for being a neutral platform for these kinds of debates. I think these conversations are important. Thank you very much, Zach. Seriously, that means more than you know. And then Messing Around says, James, you're an inspiration. Thanks for your kind words. That's right. I remember seeing... Thanks for that super chat as well. And then, let's see. Darth Revan, gotcha. It said, uh, I never said restrict, but you have, cl- you have clear rules. That is all. No censorship at all. Just checking of people who do is all. Thanks for letting me know that. And I honestly didn't mean to represent you or misrepresent you. So I appreciate you clarifying. And then Wilmar, good to see you, as well as Bubblegum Gun. Always here, Bubblegum Gun. Boring! Thanks for coming by. I see you there in the old live chat, Kurt L. Thanks for coming by. Says Muslim versus Christian, and then Insidious Vids. Glad to see you. And let's see here. Muslim versus Christian is something we do want to have more often. And then Hannah Anderson says, "Could you please look in your ban list for General Shady and unban him?" Thanks. I am happy to do that. Let me do it right now while I'm so I don't forget. So, Jessica. Why we us? Am I pronouncing it right? Let me know. We're glad you're here as well as organic jerk. We're glad you're here too. Thanks for being organic and a jerk. But we are pumped you guys as it is exciting to see modern day debate. It's been a fun time here. Seriously, I enjoy this channel so much. It is a blast. There's something I wish I could do more, which is debate. You guys might wonder. Maybe you're like James. Like, do you ever debate? Is I, I do have debates in the past. I used to do it back when I was like new at my program. But as I've gotten into the program, and especially as I had one faculty member not even like the fact that I moderate, I have backed off from the debates. Namely, I have. Uh, so I'm working on my PhD right now, and I did have one professor who even just because I'm associated with the channel, just because it's you know modern day debate, and I moderate, or I, I host most nights. The the professor said, like they reported it to our chair and the the department. It was to me baffling because it was like at that point, especially we really hadn't even had many controversial debates yet. And so for me, I was like, eh, like so we uh, I I do have to be careful about that is what I'm trying to say. And so it's been a challenge, but nonetheless, I do hope to get to debate more in the future. But as of right now, it's it's something that even though don't get me wrong i like moderating but the truth is debating is more it's a little bit more engaging in my opinion it's more fun moderating is kind of almost like a like work in 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 some ways now i enjoy that i get to listen to the debate but i also oftentimes sometimes the debaters will say what do you think of my argument and i'm like i'm really sorry (laughs) is that my when my attention is split between the chat and then also like the the question and answer list as well as like then the bouncing around once in a while to the Twitch chat and then keeping an eye on like OBS because I run OBS and then also the debate itself. Like that's all stuff that I'm keeping an eye on during the debate because OBS actually, the classic, OBS classic doesn't crash, but um, once in a while it will have a connection issue. So there are things like that where it's long story short, uh, moderating is, is not always, uh, it's not always... <laughs> It's not as fun as debating. It is fun for me, but it's still, it's true. I think debating is more fun. So Buck McDaniel says, thank you for hosting. I always love to see Matt. And then I wish, let's see. But thanks for your kind words, Buck Buck McDaniel. Thanks for your support. And then Brooke Chavez says, there's a question for you in Twitch chat. Thanks for letting me know that. Let's see here in the old Twitch chat. And let's see here. Brooke Sparrow says, not. Nunchi has a question. Could you talk about your research in psychology? I just read your bio. Yes, I'm happy to tell you. So I'm in industrial organizational psychology, which is just a fancy way of saying the psychology of work. Like that's the best way to say it. And it's things like how do you motivate employees? Can you use psychological tests like personality tests or intelligence tests to select the best people for the job when you're you know trying to look for new people to fulfill, uh, fill positions as well as preventing burnout or trying to alleviate burnout. Once it's already started as well as leadership. So what in particular, what are leadership traits? All that stuff is kind of what I research. And so I've done research on like, do, do people's perceptions of social support at their organization, are they predicted by the amount of sleep they have? And I'm like, yes, they are. So when people have less sleep, they tend to perceive their organization as less supportive. You might think that that was like, oh, well, maybe, uh, you know, maybe the, I'm not sure what would be the most intuitive explanation. It could be bi directional. Namely, maybe it's that those people, as a result of experiencing a less supportive organization, have less sleep because of that. You know, they, they just don't, you know, they're not as psychologically as well off as those who are more supported by their organizations. It could also be, though, that people who are, what's the word I'm looking for? Who have less sleep maybe perceive their organization as less supportive as a result of having less sleep. Because there's a lot of research that when you have less sleep, you tend to, you could say, you tend to, to broadly speaking, to put it roughly, you tend to look at things more negatively. You tend to have more negative perceptions and emotions. And so it might be that poor sleep is why people, uh, for example, ex- tend to interpret their organization as, as less supportive. So that's one explanation. The, the research that I've done on it was not causal. It wasn't an experiment, so it's only correlational. And then I don't see any... I, I see general. I see General Amos... General Amorous is blocked, and then I see YouTube Surgeon General as a moderator, and then I see General Balzac as a moderator. I don't see anybody, that's the only person with the word, yeah, it's the only person I see in the old ban list, so I don't know what, I know that somebody asked me to look for that, and so just so you know. And then, but I've got to wrap up. It's getting pretty late. So I want to say thanks, everybody. I love you guys. Seriously, you make this fun. John Yen said, what's your PhD in? Oh, yeah. That's a, yep, the, so like you could say work psychology. And then Adam Elbilia said, what about trying and keep track of super chat questions? So then highlight them during the Q&A so it will show on the screen. I'm pretty sure it will increase donations. Yeah, that's actually a great idea. What about trying and keeping track of super chat questions to then highlight them during the Q&A? It'll increase yeah that's a great idea let's see i love that idea that's cool for real and uh, yeah, i am pumped i'll have to think about how to do it it's a little bit technical in terms of like loading the same screen that has the um obs on it but it's a good idea and, and i know that like obviously you can do it with different software so Buck McDaniel, thanks for your kind words and Thank you, Sideshow for your support. Seriously, it means a lot. And General Zod99, good to see you, as well as Canadian cl- Catholic, glad you are here. And then, amazing. We've got extra cool stuff, though, coming up. As I mentioned, that we've got a flat Earth debate next week. We've got, a f- we've got a debate on whether or not gravity exists. We do. <laughs> so that's going to be fun. We also have a debate on whether ghosts exist, as we are ho- we're, we're trying to set up a debate with a real life ghost hunter. So that is going to be really fun. You don't want to miss that, folks. Seriously. And uh, I do love you guys. Thanks for your support. Thanks, Roger Schrum, for your support. It says, take care, James and all. Thanks for that. Appreciate that. That means a lot. And then Tippy Bear, good to see you, as well as Louis Giles and Ball Diablo, Stripper Liquor, Jessica, thanks for coming by, as well as Darth Revan wilmar thank you guys i love you guys seriously joe gravy glad you made it thanks for coming by i love you guys i'm just pumped you guys put me in a great mood i hope you have a great rest of your night and we are excited for like i said we are we're pretty sure we'll have three debates in the next week so as i mentioned hey if you haven't yet hit that subscribe button as we have many more juicy ones to come thanks everybody and excited to see you next time